Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Ryzen podcast, your source for all things Ryzen and JMMA, news, features, interviews, review of the fights, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin. I'm joined once again by my handsome co-host, Jay Christian Gary from Focus Fights. Hey y'all, how's everything going? And with us, we have a very special guest today covering the Ryzen 22 show. With us, we have Fight Poser whose Twitter is at Fight Pros, and uh, who also goes by the name Eric. Eric, thank you very much for uh, joining us for this uh, Ryzen 22 preview show. It's my pleasure. Can you just tell us a little about yourself? How, uh, how you, because you joined uh, social me- uh, JMMA social media Twitter uh, back in April, so uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, and uh, how you got into JMMA? Like you said, it's Fight Pros, F-I-G-H-T-P-R-O-S-E. Um, and pretty much like uh, during the during the quarantine, I was kind of looking for something to do, and I started watching these old old Pride cards, and I was like, oh, I'm going to start blogging about this. And uh, uh, so I started a blog uh, about the old Pride cards, and then that has kind of turned into uh, you know covering some Ryzen stuff. And one stuff, uh, and yeah. So I've been doing that, um, and actually doing some movie stuff as well on the on the website. Um, why am I into JMA? JMMA is I, I actually live in Tokyo, and uh, I've been in Tokyo for almost I think three years. Um, I've been watching MMA for a long time, like maybe more than ten years, probably, and. Uh, uh, and yeah, so just you know, living in Japan, I get get more into Ryzen, get more into JMMA. Mm-hmm. And just for everybody that knows, your website is fightpros.substack. That's s t a c k dot com. And I highly recommend that you go there, subscribe to it, because even though it's new, uh, you don't have a lot of stuff so far. There's a lot of great content, great reviews, uh, great stuff there right now, and I'm really enjoying it a lot. I check out, I check it out uh, almost every day. Um, uh-huh. So thank you for. Uh, for uh, helping contribute as well, and you know, getting covering stuff about Pride, uh, movies like No Sur- Never Surrender One, uh, and Sumo as well. Also, you cover Sumo. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I actually, I'm actually really into Sumo. So, you, are you, you uh, watching? Just the tournament. Yeah. The tournament just wrapped up uh, yesterday, and so that was uh, that was cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, can we expect the winner to once uh, to compete in an MMA ring? You think at some point? Because that seems to be a trend for Sumo. Uh, Yokozuna is to go into MMA. Uh, I doubt. I doubt this guy who won this recent tournament. He's a. Uh, he's a little older. He's got a lot of like knee problems. I. I kind of doubt he would be an MMA guy, but. Uh, but maybe it's possible. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. So again, just for everybody that knows, that's fightpros.substack.com. Subscribe. Uh. Uh. And you'll get the it's like a news. It's like a newsletter of some kind. Like when something's updated, you'll they'll get like a notification. Yeah, just like actually, it's just once a week. Uh, just once a week, you get an email. But maybe I update like two times a week or something. But just email once a week. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, great, great. And for us, uh, if you want to follow us, uh, we are at We Are Rise Pod. You can follow uh, J Christian Gary at Chris Gary ninety two, uh, who also uh, contributes to Focus Fights. You can check out their YouTube channel, Focus Fights. And uh, you can follow me uh, on my personal page at abenjo1. But uh, 
we are here today to cover Ryzen's first return show of 2020, of the post-pandemic, or I should say the current pandemic era, and that will be Ryzen 22 on August 9th, Sunday, uh, at the Pia Arena in Yokohama, Japan. Christian, I gotta ask, uh, the Pia Arena, uh, Yokohama, Kanagawa, Japan. Uh, yes. <laughs> so this arena uh, will now will be hosting uh, Ryzen. They'll be doing a half uh, half crowd, about I think five thousand um, attendance. Yes. Be hosting. I mean, first of all, a little information about this new building. It was created and officially launched back in March to accommodate international concerts. Probably a few big-time sporting events with the Olympics coming up and all types of different things to go on in the Kansai region of Japan, which, uh, I mean, which, crazily enough, the prefecture of Kanagawa is a part of. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to start off with a concert from rock legends Iron Maiden back in May, but unfortunately the pandemic kind of got to it. Obviously, the Olympics are on hold for another year, and, well, it basically led to this. this these two rising cards being their first big-time events. Their first events overall. And their first combat sports events overall in this new venue, which, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, will only see half the capacity, which is at 5,000, mm-hmm. instead of what would be what will eventually be the usual 10,000 in years to come. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, also it should be noted that the cards are not as uh, are not as heavy as the previous ones. Like, for, the, for this show, we'll be covering nine fights, seven MMA matches, two kickboxing matches. Uh, and uh, I got... Uh, my first question to the panel is, well, for, for you, Eric... So, you're in Japan, you're going to be able to see this show either live or perhaps on Yao. But, for us international uh, viewers, we may not be able to see this show. So, uh, I'm curious to know, what are your thoughts on Ryzen and their whole, it seems like their whole international uh, distribution issues, if you're familiar with them at all by any chance? Uh, well, you know, honestly, I, I, I'm not sure. I think they're, I think they're trying to make some changes with, uh, I basically, I think they're trying to make more money. And so uh, they've, they've made some changes and they're not going to be on Gao this time. They're going to be on Sky Perfect. Okay. Uh, and I was, I was looking at this last night and, uh, Sky Perfect is kind of like, uh, like cable service kind of. And, uh. And they're selling both the cards on Sky Perfect for like fifty bucks each, uh, which is quite a lot um, for for two cards, two consecutive nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the on the website, it says you can get this internationally, but I don't know if I would want to try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so like I, I I'm not sure, and and I and I don't think there's English commentary, uh, so you know I, I'm not really sure okay. uh, what. What they're doing with that? Yeah, because right now the the it is up in the air how people like Christian and I can watch a show because normally we would watch it through Fight, but so far Fight has said nothing. 
I heard about this guy perfect thing, but there's nothing on their website that says, okay, uh, for international viewers, go here, register here, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't know how, as of now, the way that we're going to watch this is going to be, it's going to be, we're, we don't know how. We don't know how legally, I should say. That's all I can yeah. say. To be quite honest, when it comes down to Ryzen's history of showing events internationally, you have to go all the way back to their first three cards. Mm. Because, obviously, the first two cards that took place December 29th and 31st, 2015, were all a part of a special for Spike TV, which is now the Paramount Network here in the States. And it was basically a showcase for Fedor Emelianenko called Breakfast in Fedor, even though in actuality, on that second card, which also featured the first Rising Grand Prix Finals, that Fedor fight wasn't the main event against J.D. Park Singh. It was actually the co-main event to King Mo versus Yuri Prohaska 1. Mm-hmm. And then in the second event, I mean, the third event out of those three, Rising 1, which took place on Easter weekend 2016, that wasn't even shown in the States at all. It wasn't even shown really outside of China anywhere other than in Japan and in taped format. Mm-hmm. But other than that, Ryzen's had a complicated history of showing their programs outside of Japan. I mean, there was the Eversport thing that happened for a few, I mean, that there was the Eversport thing that happened for a full year, and that was cool because all the events were free, mm-hmm. but they weren't archived. And now, ever since 2017, Easter weekend 2017, Ryzen has had a complicated relationship with Fight. Mm. And I think you said, Andrew, that this is their third time of them doing this. Whereas we're basically scrambling to the last minute to see these cards. The first time was for Ryzen 14 with the whole Floyd Mayweather shenanigans. The mm. second time was more recently, back in February, for Ryzen 22, where they basically had to scramble to the last minute and we ended up getting matched right former WWE wrestler basically commentating out of what felt like a damn bathroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, and right now, there it seems to be nothing. It was, it seems, oh, the, the, the Floyd Mayweather one, Rising 14, was, we, we, we knew it was going to be on fight, but it was just them waiting for the announcement. Uh, they were saying, yeah, we're going to be on fight, but we're just have to, they were, it was, they were, they were being wishy-washy, but they, it was kind of obvious they are going to be on fight. But with mm-hmm. Ryzen 22 and now so far, uh, Ryzen 21, I mean, right, and now Ryzen 22 and Ryzen 23, there's there seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel, as they say. And uh, it sucks. There's not, there's, uh, we were just interviewed on, uh, on uh, by a publication this week where we talked about just the frustration of of international distribution of JMMA, particularly Ryzen, and trying to watch these cars and just, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, it, it gets frustrating when we just don't have a day, time, and how much. Especially because, you know, when you see other MMA promotions do this, have all their stuff taken care of already, you know, it, it makes Ryzen not look very good. They look, it makes them, it, look, it makes them look... It basically made them look half-assed. Exactly, exactly. But we're hoping, fight, we're hoping whatever the sky perfect is, we're hoping something. We're hoping something. Well, I, I think it's possible that, uh, like, 
sort of my I, theory that I thought they were going to do was they were going to try to make their own platform, yeah. which I think would be kind of weird and might not work, but but I guess that's what you got to hope for, is that well, Ryzen's going to do do their own thing and put it on their own website or something like that, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand it either. I don't know why, uh, especially now that they they really seem to be struggling for money, and basically there's people all over North America, all over Europe who want to give them money, mm-hmm. and, and they just don't want to take it. <laughs> I've always <laughs> you know? said this. I've always said this about Japanese companies who have something that international view, international people like. That if you make it available easily, they you will get money for them. But there's always just this. It's just a. It all, and as somebody who was in Japan, maybe you can put more emphasis on this, Eric. But there always seems to be this weird tendency for Japanese businesses or something. The ones that don't want to take that extra step for whatever reason, either fear of failure or something. But it it seems like Ryzen seems to be in that where they just seem like they don't aren't afraid to just ju- just take that extra that extra jump to to. To get to to get all that international attention, am I is that a wrong assumption or is that can you provide any context on that for like Japanese? Well, business? I, I don't know. That's an interesting idea. Go ahead. If I may add, but also, and I think this was posted about on Reddit, but it seems like when it comes down to Japanese culture, they always think of what the future would look like from a 90s standpoint, from an early 2000s standpoint. They don't think about what the future would be from a now standpoint. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I actually think I think a lot of that is true. Um, like, you know, Japan has this reputation for being this kind of advanced culture or whatever, kind of sci-fi thing. And then you, you come here and you go to an ATM and it looks like the ATM is from like 1975. You know what I mean? Like there, there's, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of technology and a lot of the technology is very old fashioned. A lot of it is still, is still like paper based, yes. not a lot of stuff is digital. And, and so, and then this goes into also like with the TV and the cable and all these things and streaming services and all this stuff. It's just the technology is, is behind, you know, mm-hmm. it's like uh, like 10, 15 years behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in terms of the in terms of like the fear of failure thing, that's an interesting idea, uh, something I hadn't really thought about. But yeah, that could be true. That like the sort of idea of, of not wanting to be ashamed or something like that. And it's definitely possible. Because I because this is a case of where you said that they seem to be hurting for money. I mean, because uh, we should also point out that for these two shows, they are running a GoFundMe type like campaign right now to raise money for the. For the shows, so you know, it seems this seems like it seems like it's gonna have to be a case of them to make money. They're going to have to spend money, and that all uh, that, that I feel, you know, if they don't want to put in the extra effort to put like a little dollar sign, a little extra yen, I'll say, behind as some sort of platform, you know, that they, that they, their own platform or through fight or whatever, then it's gonna hinder them. They it's gonna hinder them, especially when they said that they want to do shows in America at some point, because. As we talked about before on the show, and Christian can test, nobody's gonna come see your shows if we don't know that you exist. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, but it, you know, let's hope. We're gonna hope for the best. That's all I can say. But let's get into. Actually, just oh. the last thing about yeah, this sure. is also they they also like raise ticket prices almost a hundred percent. Oh like, it's yes. Almost, everything's almost double. 
and uh, and for the for the PSO, it's it's uh, it was I was quite surprised to see that. Do you know have they said anything about like if they're like if they've sold out or if they've like sold two thirds out or? The, it looks to me like the twenty two is not is there's a lot of seats available for twenty two and fewer seats available for twenty three. What it looked like? We me. do have to also point out that the twenty two card on paper is a substantially weaker card uh, like if it, 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 it there's only like it. <laughs> oh no it's a good it's a good card but in terms of what it's what they put on the 23rd it's like i think that the 20 it's almost like they kind of put all the balls in one basket for the 23rd as opposed to the 22nd where i think they could have had one more title match perhaps you know or something Rise in twenty two card is like the prelims for Rise in twenty three. that's a good point. Yeah, I would say that's kind of like that. It kind of has more of a. It, it seems more of a prelim, like you know, just a little extra something to get people to come in. You know, some like weird open weight fight or something, or you know, or like maybe a a interim light heavyweight title, or even for the uh, Super Amway title, since Seo Hee Ham has it, and she's uh, stuck in Korea now. Just something a little bit extra. Um, I don't know. Uh, no interim light heavyweight title fight. Because, yeah. of course, as we know, when it comes down to Japanese fighters and upper weight classes, especially when you go from welterweight on up, it's like finding a rare unicorn. Uh, that's true, that's yeah. true. Um, yeah, I'll still see heavyweights are in Australia or the States or something, like Jake Hewn or whatever, yeah. you know, get one of those guys, but yeah. Gotcha, yeah. yeah. But let's uh, let's talk about this this card, and they just released the, the fight award today, thank God, because uh, we were just going to guess it if, we, if they didn't, but I kind of figured, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of makes sense on paper, well, um, I don't know about the, having this as a first fight, well, I could kind of see it as a first fight. Um, Christian, you want to take off the first fight? Yes, let's go ahead and get on with the fight card, and it's a nine-fight card, as you mentioned. Seven MMA fights, two kickboxing bouts, and to kick things off, it's kickboxing bout number one, which featured a guy who recently was co-headlining a rising card. It's Rui Ibata versus Seiki Ueyama. Oh, Christian, Christian, I think I think that's the old that's that's the tapology one. They uh, you might be reading the wrong thing. Yeah, it's Urson. <laughs> Urson first. One, I think. Yeah. Oh, fuck! Really? Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry. I can't really. Yuji Tapology I mean, does update them very, very uh, efficiently, but they've been very, very lazy lately on Tapology. Um, things have not been up to speed uh, on that website. Uh, on that website. Right, right. I see. I see. But still, I mean, hold on. Can y'all hear me? I can hear you. Yes, yes. Let me. You want me to read the first fight, Christian, and then you want to take the second one? Um, no, you know what? I'll go ahead and read it. Okay. It's actually an weight fight at 134 pounds and 61 kilos between Urson Batman Yamamoto, who was 3 and 4 overall, Kenji Kato, who again is another more experienced opponent at 10 and 7 overall. And let me go ahead and give you the quick particulars for these two fighters. If this damn computer finds 
Christian for uh, Kenji Kato. Uh, he trains out of the KO Shuto Gym, uh, and that is also uh, that was located in Hamamatsu Shizuoka, Japan. Uh, and uh, yes, his, yes, his last fight he lost against Yuto Hokomura, also known as Kintaro, by rear naked choke in the first round. And uh, he's also has has losses against. Uh, uh, our boy Full Swing, uh, Kota Onojima, but also he has wins over fighters like Yusako Hayashi, Yoshizumi Kobayashi, and a bunch of other fighters. He's mostly a guy who's a stand-up uh, striker guy. I'm going to read a little bit, just uh, briefly what um, they said during the Rising press conference when the fight was announced. Um, Yamamoto basically said that this will be his fight after uh, returning from an injury. He was supposed to fight Kazuma Sone. Uh, last year, but uh, couldn't due to injury, and um, he says he'll climb back up to where he belongs. Kenji Kato says, I lost in my first Ryzen fight without being able to show anything. I've been training hard since my last fight. He says he'll prove that I, that I belong here by taking off my opponent's head. And if you need any other stats, um, some quickie stats, um... 67% finishing rate for Ersan, 50 for Kenji Kato, um, and uh, these are from the Ryzen uh, Instagram page, which you can also find on the uh, Twitter. Uh, Yamamoto will be returning to the Ryzen ring after a 14-month hiatus. Kato will be looking to spoil the Yamamoto protege's return. If Ersan brings his wrestling A-game, Kato will struggle. If Kato can lure Ersan into a slugfest, the fight could go either way. So, uh, I'm going to uh, post it to you, uh, Eric. Um, what do you think about this fight? Uh, do you have a choice, uh, a winner, and uh, any thoughts between about these two fighters? And anything else you want to say? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not super excited about this one. Um, I mean, I think Urson, his, you know, he's got a sub-500 sub record. Of course, he's got some tough guys on his, uh, on his, on his resume. He's been fighting in Ryzen almost the whole time. I think primarily because of his mom and his uncle. Uh, yeah. Not to be, not to be <laughs> too rude, but um, yeah. So you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too familiar either with uh, with Kenji Kato, but but it looks like he's got a little bit, a little bit more experience, a little more seasoning. 
He's definitely um, the, he's the definition of a journeyman. Like if you want to yeah. put journeyman like ten, what is it? I think his record is ten and seven. Um, that you know. Comes yeah. down to Kenji Kato. He's fought the majority of his career in Shuto. Shuto and deep as well, and you know he'll he'll win a bunch of fights and then he'll lose a bunch of fights. So that to me is like the typical journeyman. But I'm sorry, uh, Eric, go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm actually yeah, I I had uh, Kenji Kato with my pick here. So. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. By the way, we also write down our picks because then we get the brag about who got the most right uh, when we do a review show. So I'm gonna have to write that down. Um, That's cool. Uh, also, just to put some context behind this, a lot of the um, the the topology faithful are kind of split. They think that Urson has a, has a better chance. They uh, voting him fifty six percent versus Kato at forty four. Uh, Christian, what do you think about this fight, and who do you think this uh, will win this fight? I think it's crazy for Urson to, you know, fight on the curtain jerking part of the show. Yeah, it's so strange. It's so strange. Usually they would open with a kickboxing match or something. I find it so strange that they're opening with Urson. That's such a strange choice. I'm just from, from past... It, it, Considering the fact that his uncle and his mother, you know, he probably would have wanted to demand a higher spot on the card, but, I mean, considering the fact that in Rising, his record's two and four, let's be yeah. real. Yes. I mean, Hughes doesn't have anywhere, any place on the card to say, hey, you know, I want this, that, and the third. I mean, the dude has an under 500 record if you take out the one fight in King of the Cage he had against Jesse Rhodes which basically entered him into the Rising Bantamweight Grand Prix in 2017. Mm -hmm. But still, I don't know what to say when it comes down to Ersin Yamamoto because even though he hasn't fought in almost, I mean, a little over a year, I don't want to say that he sucks. I just want to say that if he doesn't get his shit in order, he's not going to get any better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's why I think that Kato's probably going to win this fight because it'll probably teach Urson a lesson, you know, to improve on his skills. Mm. Otherwise, if he doesn't, and if he doesn't, they say he's going to lure him into a fight, but I think it'll be Kato who will probably lure him into a deep depression, no disrespect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very interesting. You know, I feel like that they want Urson to win. I know that Ryzen has tried to, pers to push Urson, but every time has basically been a failure. He's uh, lost in very head-scratching ways. Um, well, you, know, you would say that his... I mean, you would say that he lost in head-scratching ways, but that fucking KO he took from Matt LK oh, yeah. wasn't a head-scratching. It was a head-banger. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just interesting, though, if you look uh, verse, uh, look at his mother, Miyu, and just how she's kind she's adapted to MMA, I think, better than sh than uh, Ersan has. Um, what do you think about that, Eric? Who do you think... Uh, who do you when it comes down to Miyu, she can't finish worth the shit. Well, that's... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, Eric, how do you think that the two Yamamoto's in Ryzen, who do you think is the better MMA fighter between the two, Miyu or Ersan? Ah, uh, Miyu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but so. Or when 
Ryzen have been, I mean, all of our wins in Ryzen and overall in MMA have been decision making. Yeah. So, but here's I the mean, thing. So, well, I think that you is the better fighter of the two, mother and son. Mm. Do you think that Erson is the better finisher? Uh, by definite, by just by sheer the fact that he has uh, finishes on his record, yes. She, he is technically a better finisher since he does have more finishes on his record. As for me, though, I'm going to be the odd man out. I'm picking Ursan because I think that Ryzen is hoping they saw how Kato fights in the Kintaro uh, match, and they're like, okay, this guy's a journeyman. He's got an okay record. We're still going to try to build up Ursan because we're because we are going to be we have we still need to pay attention to the band and weight divisions because we just lost uh, Man Out Cape and we can't do the uh, can't have a lot of international uh, band and weights over. So I think this is kind of them pushing a fight that that Ursan could potentially win. The guy he's facing is not too high skilled, but too but not but skilled enough that you could say okay he beat an opponent. So I'm not going to even say that Ersan's even going to be the better MMA fighter in this fight, but I think he's going to institute a game plan that can, that, that you know, he's going to, he, I think the, the, the Ryzen, uh, whatever, infographic gave, said it best. He's going to institute a wrestling game plan and probably win it that way. I don't see, I see this not go, staying on the fight, uh, staying on the feet for very long, to tell you the truth. And I think Ersan does take this fight by decision. By and it's, 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 we're gonna see we're gonna we're gonna see him grapple for three rounds. Sounds very exciting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, the perf- it is we're gonna see him grapple for fest, right? I think so. I don't see this being a slugfest or anything. I mean, if, if Ersan's smart, he'll he'll just he'll do what he does best, and that's and that's and that's a uh, lay and pray on opponents, you know, and try not to get caught in submission, and in the meantime, try not to get uh, a jumping knee to the face. Or anything like that, but that's gonna be easier said than done. Um, now, who did Kazuyuki Miyata all those years ago? Yeah, yeah. Now the next fight, I'll, I'll call it a unique fight. Um, Chris, do you want to talk about this fight, or would you like me to talk about? It? Because this fight is a very bizarre. When I saw this fight and I saw the records of these two fighters, I was like, really, really these. Let me- Talk about this fight, so you won't have to. Okay. It's a contest in the 61 kilogram one. No, wait, actually, it's a featherweight contest. It's at 67 kilograms or 146 pounds between Darkry Kuto Hirakawa at 7 7 and 1 versus Kenka Bancha, aka Yote Hagiwara, who is really winless in two fights. A little bit of the particulars on the fighters. Shirakawa is 5 feet 8 inches tall, 134.8 pounds. He'll have to boost up in order to fight his card. He's 29 years old, born July the 18th, 1991, representing Style MMA Studios and fighting out of Osaka, Japan. He is mostly a fighter for deep. And he's managed to make his way through that promotion, but he most recently via a shoulder injury knockout to Takafumi Osuka back at the 91st Impact on September 9th, I mean September 8th, 2019. As for his opponent, who's basically what we like to call here in the States, 
your local athlete, your traditional run-of-the-mill jobber. about this fight. I, I know you said you're going to uh, bring some notes. I don't know what, what you... What did... Is this, is, is this an entirely blank? Uh, sorry, yeah, so go ahead. What do you? What notes do you have on this? Or is it just an entirely uh, blank page? See, actually, I, I didn't know that uh, Hajiwara, I didn't realize he, did he used to fight at Flyweight? Is that what you said? Well, yeah, that's, that's what, I can't yeah, I believe that. that. He's 5'10", and he fought at Flyweight. So, like, this must have been like he was a teenager or something, because I don't know any Flyweights that are 5'10". Uh, yeah, that's, that, that's weird. Yeah, no, I, I just, I had that, uh, I had that Chirikawa is normally a, a bantamweight. Dude was 22 and 22. So, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, let me just read a little bit of, of what the uh, Ryzen infographic says. First of all, also, they do have it wrong here. They said that Hagiwara has two wins, one by KO, one sub. That is not true. That may be like an amateur record, but that is certainly not a pro record. Um, and um, they say that two brawlers will step into the ring, Ryzen ring, for guaranteed fireworks. Shirakawa has been fighting in several promotions and has always brought pure violence. Hagiwara is known in the local circuit. As you said, Christian, uh, as for his aggressive style and heart, no judges will be needed for this fight. And I have to read what they said during the press conference because uh, Hagiwara said something very hilarious. Uh, da, 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 da. Shirakawa said, uh, I know Kyohei very well, but he is still very young and not ready for such a big stage. I plan to teach him that in the, ri in, in the ring. We are both brawlers, so I promise you some huge fireworks. I plan to conquer the division. And then Hagiwara says, uh, I will get into the ring and tear things up. I respect my opponent and have trained with him before, but once we get in the ring, I have no plans but to beat the living shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, good luck, buddy. I don't know. I'm weirdly looking forward to this fight because I don't know what to expect. I, I, it's 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 so intriguing. This fight is is should not be as intriguing as it is on paper. Because it should be easily a squash match. Um, is the is is the entire panel going for Shirakawa? Yes. 
I almost want to be the. I almost want to be devil's advocate and be like, no, I gotta pick Kagiwara just based on saying he's gonna beat the Lynch. But like, oh god, seven and seven versus zero and two. You know what? I'm gonna make things interesting for when we do the review show. I'm gonna pick Hagiwara to win yeah. based on the saying that based on the fact that he said he's gonna beat the living shit out of Shirakawa. I like that confidence. I like I I like that attitude. You don't see that a lot in Japanese fighters. So you know what? I'm gonna say that Hagiwara is gonna get his first official win in an MMA ring at in Ryzen. Boom. Wow. Boom. Boom. I probably just I probably just lost a lot of money, but you know what? It's a it's a bet I am happy to to go on my sword for. Go down my sword for. Um uh, is there anything else that either of you wanna say about this fight? I don't know what else there is there really can there can there even be said, you know? Well, to be honest, and I'll go ahead and go out on a limb on Rising has been known for getting fighters that are under 500, so to speak. I mean, obviously, they managed to get Charles Bellamy Bennett, and he was, I think, 29-30-2 when he fought against Philip Minoru Kimura in his first and only mixed martial arts bout, and obviously, seven seconds later, and, well, <laughs> Charles Bennett made his ass go viral. I don't think he was was he I don't think he was under five hundred at the time though he's under five hundred now. The one time I can remember there being was the uh, an under five hundred was Alexandra Alvare who fought Reina. Remember the last minute Spanish woman that they got from Spain who was like zero and four, zero and three or something. She was basically programmed to lose that fight against Reina. Obviously, basically. No doubt about it. But another person I thought, I mean, another person who would be, you know, one of those fighters who would just run at the mill, just there for the money, Angela, your so-called Majesty Magana. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about her. Um, Come to think of it, who did she lose to? Kanaka Morata? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I remember it was a key I think. Uh, a Keylock submission that, uh, oh, no, no, it was a head and arm choke. It was a head and arm choke, I think it was. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, but here's the thing. for getting these run-of-the-mill fighters, these fighters who either have a right at 500 record or below 500 record. And when it comes down to, you know, the potential of these fighters, we know that they're going to lose. We know that they're just there for, as they say, a hot dog and a handshake. Well, I hope that this fight, this fight is truly as exciting as Ryzen is purporting for it to be it would be nice if it's if it's if it's just like a like one minute of violence and then someone gets knocked out um but you know i uh, you know I, i'm i'm pretty I, I did watch uh shirakawa uh, sorry uh, not shirakawa hagiwara's two soul mma matches and it's not he's not that bad but he has the same Urson thing where he gets caught in some missions that he can that you should not be getting caught in that you learn first day BJJ 101 don't you know don't don't leave your arm out don't leave your arm out to be broken by your opponent so hopefully that won't be this this fight hopefully you know he's learned his lesson you know uh, from his from his two other fights 
Um, but yeah, there's really not much to say about that. Um, now we gotta talk about the next fight because next fight is actually the first, well, so far the only fight that has had a replacement fighter. Um, Christian, you wanna take over for this? Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and do it. Cecilia Saiki was supposed to face off against Pancrase fighter Yojuno Uchimura, but unfortunately Uchimura backed out probably due to an injury. Mm-hmm. So, we got this fight instead. It's, it's Tetsuya Seiki taking on Koyakanda. The particulars on Seiki. Seiki is 12-6-1, 5 He's 26 years old. On February 8, 1994, he represents the Sonic Squad and fights out of the Konan, K-O-N-A-N, district of Yokohama, Kanagawa, Japan. He is obviously a veteran of, let's see, he's a veteran of Zest. He is the former, well actually no, he's the current Zest featherweight champion of the world. And he's also had experience fighting Wu and Thing in China and Valley Tudo Japan, which is a Shudo product. So he's going to enjoy himself when it comes down to this fight, even though it's a late notice opponent. And that late notice opponent is Koyakanda. He's 5 and 2 overall, 5 feet 11, 145 pounds, age 24, born December 20th, 1995, representing Palesta Kashiwa and fighting out of Akibo, I mean, fighting out of Abiko, A B I K O, Shiba, Japan. He is a veteran of D mm-hmm. and has fought the majority of his career in that promotion. So, even though we're not getting the scheduled bout between Seiki and Uchimura, I mean Uchiyama, uh, Uchimura, Uchimura, U-C-H-I-M-U-R-A, even though we're not getting that particular fight, what do you think about this replacement? Uh, Eric, I'll pass that question off to you first. Uh, well, I don't know. It could be, it could be interesting. Um... I, I think you would have to say that, that Sakai, or who is it, Seki, Sakai, he he has to have the advantage, right? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, he's a, he's a Zest, uh, he's a current Zest featherweight champion, uh, a lot more fights, um, I ha- I watch a few of his fights through uh, Zest, and he is a, he is a very good fighter, he is a, a, he is a very explosive fighter, he doesn't have a real killer instinct, though, he seems to be hesitant to, or he doesn't have that 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 quick ability to finish fights when he has that ability to. He can he has a lot of perseverance and a lot of great cardio. I watched a bunch of his fights. He didn't get tired at all in all three rounds. So he has that. Um, Koya Kanda, I've only seen fight once. And uh, Christian, I don't know if you remember this, but when we reviewed the Deep Show earlier this year, uh, he he won uh, on Deep ninety four Impact against Raiki Endo by unanimous decision. Kind of just was like a lay and pray type thing. Um, grappling thing. So uh, I'm sorry, but uh, Eric, I don't know if that help, that put, if that puts any more information well, like, for you. Yeah, no, I, I just one thing that I noticed when I was looking at uh, looking at Kanda is it looked like he had a lot of uh, first round finishes. Um, so I don't know, but you're saying that he's kind of a lay and pray guy. Well, well, the the most recent fight that he had against Raiki Endo and at Deep ninety four, but you're right, he had a, he has all of his fights besides that one are first round finishes. 
Um, yeah, so I figure I figure he's gonna get knocked out or he's gonna knock somebody out. That's what <laughs> that's what I was thinking was was the the plan for this fight. Mm-hmm. Christian, how about you? Um, what do you think about this fight, and uh, who do you think will be uh, the uh, winner of this one? You know, I think when it comes down to this particular fight, I mean, you have to look at what would have happened if Uchimula would have faced off against Say. I think we would have been experiencing a nice little firefight between those two particular fighters because those two, Uchimula and Seiki, I mean, they would have had the opportunity to rock the house down with their punching power alone. But as far as this fight goes, I don't have any sympathy for Kanda, even though he's a late notice replacement. I do think that Seiki's going to win this fight and treat Kanda, treat Kanda like he's Yojiro Uchimula, because he's basically upset that he has to have an opponent change out on him at the last minute, but still, it's going to probably be a fight where Tetsuya will dominate, even though you're saying that he's going to be a lay-and-pray type fighter. Uh, well, I, well, uh, Kondo you mean, or, you, or Seki you're talking about? Seki. Oh, no, with Seki, he has the, he gets, he, he can, he can knock down, I see him knock down a bunch of people, but he just doesn't have that, he doesn't have that, that extra fight IQ to finish the strikes. It seems like when he knocks someone down, he immediately gets on top of them and then delays, uh, does the, uh, lays on full mount on them uh, from the fights I've seen. Maybe this will be different. Uh, he'll get the, have the opportunity to uh, kick people in the face while, uh, while they're down the ground, so that's always something to consider. Um, but, in the, but, you know, on paper, I think that Seki is probably just a better fighter overall. You know, Zest, uh, featherweight champion. Kanda's a good fighter. I don't think he's good enough to beat Seki, though. I think this should be a somewhat easy fight for Seki. Um, especially because it seems like Ryzen prefers to have champions of other cha- of other promotions uh, it, uh, be winners in their divisions. Um, as we've seen, we know with their strawweight division, with, uh, when, uh, when uh, Ochi uh, uh, fought, um, the number of times that he fought on Ryzen... When they had Tsunabe on their on their shows as well, they like to uh, get get champions and hopefully get champions to have wins. So yeah, I definitely think that Seki will win this fight. Um, and I think he can, I can see him finishing him. I can see him finishing him though. You know, I could definitely see this being drawn all three rounds uh, to a decision, possibly even a split decision. Um, but with that being said, Christian, we gotta talk about the next fight because this fight. I have seen more people talk about than some of the other fights on this actual card. Um, and uh, do you want you want to go ahead and uh, uh, talk about our first kickboxing match? Yeah, I want to talk about it, but are you sure people have been talking about it? Listen, the, the kickboxing, the J Kick kickboxing contingent on Twitter thinks that this fight's going to be great. They're really looking forward to it. And someone said this is like the only fight they're going to watch on the card. Um, Okay, let's go ahead and talk about is Yoshinori Nadaka, aka Nadaka Iwa Sports, versus Yushin, Y W S H I N. Now, about the particulars for one of these fighters, at least, because the other one we're trying to find. Nadaka, he is 19 years old, one of the youngest fighters that have. 
Rising Rain. But on January the 8th, 2001, man, we're getting old. <laughs> He's from Yokosuka, Kanagawa, Japan. He's 5 feet 4 inches tall, 112 pounds. Normally fights in the mini flyweight division. He is a southpaw who has fought for the last four years and has an overall kick and Muay Thai record of 27 wins, 5 losses, and 1 draw with 14 of those 27 wins by way of KO. He fought in the prestigious Lumpany Boxing Stadium and Roger Denner Boxing Stadium, becoming the 2019 Lumpany Stadium Mini Flyweight Champion, 2018 Roger Denner Stadium Mini Flyweight Champion, as well as the 2017, no, as well as the World Muay Thai Council Pinweight Champion in 2017, the IBF Muay Thai Mini Flyweight Champion in 2018, and the WBC Muay Thai World Mini Flyweight Champion in 2018. Now, as far as his opponent goes, there's not really much to talk about when it comes down to Yushin. He is 18 years old. He is, yeah, he's 18 years old. He was born on May 28, 2002. So, yeah, he's the youngest fighter stepping into the rising ring. He's 5 feet 3 inches tall, weighs probably the same as Nagaka at around the 112-pound range, represents Noguchi Gym, and fights out of, he fights out of Kyoto, Japan. Again, not much is known about him. Andrew, do you have any information on this young man, other than the fact that he's fought for the NKKF? Yep, yep, yep. So, um, uh, I have their records. Um, their, uh, now, you always got to take kickboxing records with a little bit of grain of salt because they're just, a lot, a lot of them are all over the place, but I think these are pretty accurate. And these are pro kickboxing records, not amateur. So Yoshinari has a record of 30 and 6 with 15 KOs. Yushin has a record of 5 and oh, uh, 5, 5, 0 KOs, excuse me. So 5 wins, all decisions for Yushin. Uh, 2 uh, uh, two losses, so 5 and 2 for Yushin. And uh, for uh, Yoshinari, it's 30 and 6. And uh, this is what uh, Ryzen's infographic says. The 19-year-old current Lumpini Raja Dermurm uh, stadium champion Yoshinari Nadaka will be making his first appearance in the Ryzen ring. His opponent is an 18-year-old Yushin. Don't miss the highly, the two highly skilled teenagers put on a stand-up clinic when they meet in the ring. And uh, this is what I have from the uh, from what they said during the press conference. Yoshinari said, I want to show my skills and abilities of Muay Thai champion to everybody. Yushin says... Uh, I fought Nagata, Nadaka once in my amateur and lost, but I'll make my revenge this time. So they have fought before in amateurs. Uh, and this is uh, will be kind of a rematch. Um, and I also suggest if anybody wants to see a good highlight of Nadaka, uh, Muay Thai Scholar on YouTube has a uh, seven-minute video of, of Nadaka and a whole bunch of information, including his title wins, his fight record, uh, who he's won over, it's a whole bunch of Thai names that I cannot pronounce uh, for the life of me. Um, he's uh, also, uh, I got from this video, he's only one of six non-Thai fighters in the history that have held the Lumpini title in any weight class. So he's 
So in any weight class, he's only six of non-Thai people who've won some uh, Olympini championship. Um, so uh, with this, not to mention when it comes down to Nadaka Iwa Sports, aka Yoshinari Nadaka, he also fought two rising veterans in. No, he also fought two rising. No, wait, shit. He also fought a rising veteran in Issei Ishii, who's fought twice in rising. So, mm-hmm. you know, that'll probably be a little boost up for him going into his rising debut or what might be his one and only rising bout. Yeah. So, uh, Nadaka, I know, is highly touted among J-Kick fans as somebody to pay attention to. Uh, uh, Yushin. You know, as he's fought for New Japan kickboxing, I watch a few of his fights. Um, he's a guy who depends mainly on the push kick. Um, but I, I, Eric, I want to pull. I want to throw this to you. Did you happen to find anything about these fighters? And do you have a uh, who do you think has the edge in this fight? Oh, I definitely, definitely think Yoshinari has the edge for sure. Um, he like, you know, you, you see this young kid who goes to Thailand and beats all these Thai people and wins these uh, Thai championships, he's got to be good. Yeah. (laughs) And he's got to be, he's got to be confident and have a lot of experience. And so, yeah, I think it's pretty clear that that Yoshinari is the, is the favorite here. I, I I didn't, I looked for information about Yushin. I didn't find much. I saw like his Instagram page or something, but, but that was about it. Uh, that's the one thing I've always said I've always hated about when whenever these kickboxing matches happen, especially if they go by a, a singular name, especially Yushin. Because you look up Yushin on YouTube, you get a thousand things, and it's n- none of it is kickboxing. Uh, it's it's a, it's a that's the one thing I hate about when, I, when researching these uh these Japanese fighters kickboxers who go by one name, and it's like a like uh it's like a name that like a thousand other Japanese people have. Um, Here's the other thing as well I gotta point out. This fight, in the first time in rising kickboxing history, as far as I know, will allow elbows. Normally, rising kickboxing does not allow elbows. I think this is the first fight where they will be allowing elbows. So I'm curious to know, Eric, do you think that will have what do you think what added elements do you think the elbows being allowed will add to this fight? And they're not they're not calling him Muay Thai, huh? Yeah, no, they're calling him Rise of Kickboxing. Yeah, they're calling him Rise of Kickboxing. Well, actually, probably it would give the give the guy who has more experience in Thailand the advantage. I would think, you know, just because obviously he's probably uh, more used to to fighting with elbows. Um, So yeah, I would think it would be even bigger advantage for Mm -hmm. Yoshinari. Christian, I'm gonna throw this throw the same questions to you. Uh, who do you, what do you think about this fight? Who do you think wins, and what do you think about the elbows being uh, allowed for this kickboxing match? I think the doc is gonna win this fight because of the fact that if you think about the rising kickboxing rules, they normally don't allow elbows, as y'all have said. Mm-hmm. But I think, considering the fact that he's had experience in Thailand, he's basically won the two most prestigious titles. In Muay Thai history, Ratsadanam Stadium and Lumpini Stadium, obviously it'll give him a slight advantage, and I think Yushin's going to have a hard time trying to weasel his way into a decision. Like you said, that he is undefeated at 5-0 and with all five of his wins via decision, but I think the elbows in this 
this kickboxing bout, I will give this rising fight a nice little coat of unmitigated violence. If they choose to use it, of course, because it's going to probably be a knockdown, drag out brawl between two young men, one of whom fought long before he was able to grow some hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's going to be a nice little fight between these two young men who are wanting to prove that, you know, we're here, we're trying to make our name, we're still under the age of 21, and we want to prove ourselves to try and be the best stars in the world. Question uh, for you, Eric, and now I know that there are two different weight classes, but, it, you know, do you think that Ryzen, you know, looks at uh, Yoshinari and thinking, you know, maybe we have another opponent for tension. Oh, man. I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I think tension has, has some bigger bigger fish to fry, probably. Mm. You know, I, I'm, I'm hoping uh, we'll see some bigger fights for tension. But maybe, maybe they want another tension. Put it that way. Like oh, okay. Some, some yeah. I think that's a good point. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as for me, I think Nadaka's got this in the bag. I, I don't know what you should, you know... Will will bring you know it, you know I think you could almost call it like like upset of the night if Yushin wins just because of the guy he beats uh if he manages to but yeah this is all on paper and from what I from my research Nadaka is a better fighter uh more experienced at nineteen uh and you know like we said few non um, non tie champions uh, uh Pini champions uh yeah I definitely see this guy being a future rising guy, you know, presuming that everything goes well here uh, for this fight. And, you know, it's definitely the fight I'm I'm really looking forward to because I'm really curious to see what these two guys are going to bring because we don't get a lot of weight classes. We see a lot of fights in these types of weight classes. And I'm really curious to see what an, a rising fight uh, kickboxing match with elbows will be like. It'll be cool if they wear, like, the uh, traditional uh, tie things, the, the uh, armbands and all that stuff. It'll be funny if they kind of do like a, a tie theme, but I know they're not going to do it, you know, with the music playing in the background while they fight. But, you know, but I think it's, I think it's going to be a real interesting fight, especially with the added interest, uh, with the added uh, elbows to this fight. Uh, now, Christian, we have a, one more kickboxing match. This one with no elbows. I'm going to throw it to you to uh, get the particulars for both these uh, returning fighters. These returning fighters have fought in the Ryzen Fighting Federation before. And as I was trying to mention at the start of this podcast, one of them most recently fought in a headliner for Ryzen. It's Rui Ibata versus Seiki Uyama. Now, the particulars. First of all, for Rui Ibata, he's 29 years old, born January 10, 1991. Originally, from Tsushima, Ibaraki, Japan, and fighting out of Tokyo. He's a Muay Thai expert. He holds a kickboxing record of 41 wins, 4 losses, 2 draws, and 1 no contest, with 20 of those wins by way of knockout. He is the knockout Super Bantamweight champion, and most recently lost to Tenshin Nasukawa at Ryzen 20 back on New Year's Eve via EKO back on New Year's Eve in Saitama. As for his opponent, Seiki Uyama, 
who has fought in the Rising Fighting Federation before. He is 24 years old, born March the 22nd, 1996. He is 5 feet 5 inches tall, but he's in at 126 pounds. He represents the Phantom Dojo and fights out of Osaka, Japan. He has fought twice in Rising before, going undefeated in the promotion, knocking out Kengo with, mm. I mean, singular name Kengo at Rising 16 back on June 2nd, 2019. Then defeated Taisei Ume at Rising 19 back on October the 12th, 2019. He recently lost to Shogo Kuriaki at Shoot Boxing Ground Zero Tokyo back on December 3rd. And oh, by the way, he is the current, or actually he is a former, shootbox flyweight champion of the world. So, now that I basically wasted my breath trying to talk about these two fighters, how do you think this fight stacks up and who do you think is going to win this? The more experienced fighter, or, I mean, the more experienced Ibata, or Oyama, the shoot fighter, I mean, the shoot boxer? Uh, Eric, I'll pass that question off to you first. Well, uh, I mean, like, I just remember when Ibata was, was matched up against Tension, everyone was really excited about that fight, you know? And like, oh, wow, this is the this is the first real test for Tension in ages, and oh, this is going to be a great fight. And then Tension just whipped this guy's ass, basically. Oh. And it was, uh, it was, it was just, it was demolition. I actually, I actually rewatched that yesterday, and yeah, he crushed him. It's so strange uh, how that, like, that very oh that was going to be his toughest fight toughest fight and then literally it's like it was like the easiest fight he had he's had in Ryzen kickboxing like since it was just so yeah. funny just like the discourse behind the whole thing but I'm sorry go ahead yeah no I mean and and uh, so everyone was talking about how great this guy was so I I I I'm, I'm sort of actually interested to see how he uh, how he comes back here and like if he's was was, uh, I don't know, embarrassed by his loss or whatever, and it makes me really want to try to put on a good show. Yeah. Um, the Oyama guy, I, I, I think, you know, he's mostly looks like he's mostly a shootbox guy, um, uh, but he's fought, obviously, rising a couple times kickboxing. Uh, it looks like, you know, a solid opponent, but I would I would definitely pick Ibata here mm. based, on, based on reputation. I have a grudge against Oyama because he beat my guy Kengo to pieces when the two fought. I was cheering for my for my guy Kengo and Yuyama just beat the shit out of him for basically the entire <laughs> round. I'll say this about Yuyama. he w always wears these nice long pants when he fights and it really stands out. So I'll give him that. Um, Christian, uh, what do you think? Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. He wears the nice the Nissan. I think what is it? The uh, Nissan Advance pants. I think they are um, yellow and gold. The yellow and gold pants, which I always think. Sorry, go ahead. They're called Nissan pants, dude. That, that's it. That's it. Um, but yeah, what do you think about this fight? Uh, uh, pass your questions off to yourself. Okay, when it comes down to Oyama, and I'm just now reading his record, he is 22, 12, and 1 with 10 knockouts. No, wait, actually, no. He's 23 and 11 with 10. He's 23 and 11 with 10 knockouts. What the hell am I thinking? Anyways, part of the matter is when it comes down to this particular fight, 
mention ryzen had one you know they had a bunch of press conferences for these shows they had one press conference devoted to rui ibata and he was the sole guy there uh, i think this was the most recent press conference or the second most recent press conference they had and it was just yeah it was just them talking about uh it was sakaki Bara and rui ibata talking about the uh about this fight um i think this is kind of like a make good you know, hey, thank you for fighting tension and getting basically the shit kicked out of you. Uh, here's another fight, you know, against a tough opponent um, that maybe... Basically, get... it's basically, it's a fight for bravery. It is, basically, yeah. Uh, Yuiyama's a good fighter. Uh, it's a kickboxing fight, though. He's facing a kickboxing guy. I always believe if the guy, uh, you know, if you're facing somebody and they're uh, in, in the sport that they know best, you are probably 99% of the time going to lose. I think this is going to be a case of that, uh, where Ibata is going to be a, uh, a winner. I think I can even see him knocking him out uh, in round one, maybe round two. Um, now, a, a question about about this, the uh, consequence of this fight. Uh, I'm going to throw that to you, Eric. Um, Ibata wins. Do you think that they're going to try to do another rematch against Tension? Or, again, t Tension has bigger fish to fry. rationalize a rematch after the beating he took last time I, I i maybe they can try to try to build up the division a little more maybe find some contenders or something because mm -hmm. eventually I, the biggest the biggest thing is always that you know in this division if it's kickboxing 123 135 the, the the question always is will will that will rise and put this person up against tension because everybody wants to fight tension that's the fight he's their conor mcgregor everybody wants to fight him Everybody wants to fight him, and uh, well, it's it, that's you know, other than you know, it, I think you said it best that uh, that he there is bigger Fisher Fry, and the, the that bigger Fisher Fry might be in K one right now, ideally. But until that whole thing is worked out, you know, he's gonna be getting these these fighters who are good, but he's at a level that's like up here, and while everybody else is like here is like at this level. It kind of sucks because he's really like he's so good that like everybody else who's put up against him is like, is just not at the same level. Like the the talent disparity is just like fascinating. Yeah. Um, by the yeah, way, yeah, actually get, get get him over to one championship, man. They they have I think they have better kickboxers than Rising. Oh, as far as I'm concerned, they're 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 a glorified kickboxing promo promotion at this point. Yeah. Uh, but, so well, we we all we all agree. Avada is gonna win. Um, yeah. Okay. Great. 
Okay. Oh, by the way, we didn't we didn't do the I don't think we did the official picks. I got my my upset is actually Conda over 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 Seki. So. Oh, you said Se- oh you you think that Conda's gonna beat Seki? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got I got him I got him upsetting. That's my upset of the night. Five predictions go. Eighty nine percent voting for Seki, and as usual, they don't really care about the kickboxing fight so far on Tapology. Gotcha. My apologies, uh, Eric. I thought you had said Seki. Okay, so let me just write that down. Okay, now we're gonna get into uh, uh, I think a, a fight I'm really fascinated to see uh, a high level potentially glorified grappling match, but hopefully it's not that. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be an MMA match. Uh, Christian, you want to take over this fight? Yes, let's go ahead and talk about that. And it's gonna be contested at 134 and a half pounds or 61 kgs between Naoki and Yue, one of the people that you know, Andrew, personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Versus Shuto Watanabe. Now, the particulars. First of all, in this case, for Watanabe, he's one. He has a record of twenty wins, four losses, and six draws. One no contest. He's five feet eight inches tall, weighs one hundred thirty-four point six pounds, thirty-one years old. Born February the twenty-seventh of nineteen eighty-nine, representing Strapple Kinyuri Gaoka. Kawasaki, Kagawa, Japan. He has fought most notably for Fighting Nexus, and he is the current Fighting Nexus Bantamweight Champion. He's also fought for Deep, and he's also competed for Gladiator, Zest, and Wulan Fest, in addition to competing for Valley Tudo Japan, Pan on their progress score, and competed in a grappling contest for Quintet. Now, for his much more experienced, much more talked about, much more hyped opponent, Naoki Inoue, formerly of Hakushin Kai Karate, now fighting out of the Longo Weidman MMA camp in New York City, New York, by way of Toyohashi Aichi, Japan. Oh, Christian, just to, I- let you, just to update you on that, so since obviously... You know, the, all the schools were closed in um, New York, all the martial arts schools. He wound up going to Japan and, tra- and, and was training at Sonic Squad, where uh, Seki, uh, Tetsuya Seki trains. Okay, but he's still listed in my mind as being hailing, I mean, as hailing from New York City, New York, and say... Toyohashi Aichi, Japan. Am I right? Or am oh, I no, right? you're correct. He just changed his training camp because since uh, all the schools up here in New York were all, ch- were all closed down because of the pandemic, he wound up actually going to Japan and training at uh, Science Squad for this fight. Right, right, of course, of course. But still, going back on yeah. those particulars, he's the brother of UFC fighter and former deep jewel strawweight champion Suki in He's 5 feet 8 inches tall, 125 pounds, about to bulk up for this fight, just to get up to 61 kgs. He's 23 years old, born June 14, 1997. He is more notable for his two-fight stint inside the octagon with the UFC, defeating Carl Johns Thomas in UFC Fight Night 111 in June of 2017 before losing to somebody I know, Matt Dangerschnell. At UFC Fight Night 132 in June of 2018, then he fought in Cage Fury, losing to Shorty Rock Sean Santella, 
talk about a punchable nickname there. <laughs> but ever since then, he's gone back to his first home in Heath, where he's basically dominant and undefeated there. If you exclude all the other fights he's had throughout his career, he is two and two outside of Heath, but he is eleven and two overall. I mean, he's eleven and zero overall in the Deep Fighting Championship. And most recently won his Ryzen debut back at Ryzen 21 on February 22nd when he defeated Nino Loco Trent Carradine via unanimous decision. So, is the UFC veteran versus the shootover? No, is the UFC veteran versus Watanabe, who is the. Uh, let's see. It's the UFC veteran versus the fighting Nexus Bentley champion. Who you got? I gotta say though, it's kind of sad that Shuto Watanabe has not actually fought in Shudo. I think that's a that's a crime against humanity. <laughs> um, but uh, Eric, not to, not to mention, Shudo is the son of one of the first, ironically enough, Shudo champions. Yeah, he was named after the promotion, I believe. Uh, that's what uh, his father, or uh, I think his father, or his or Trudeau said that he was named after promotion. It's just, it's just, it's just, a, it's, just a, it's a weird crime. It's like, it's like being named Pancras and then you like find wind up fighting in like a zest or something for the for your entire career or something. But uh, uh, Eric, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this to you. What do you think about this fight? Um, what do you, what do you have in your notes and who do you pick to win this? Uh, well, and this uh, this really this is gonna be a high level matchup in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a really interesting fight. Uh, you got two two guys with a lot of submissions uh, on their on their record. It should be uh, should be a lot of fun watching them watching them grapple. Do you think at all that their uh, grappling um, background will negate? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, do you think that their grappling background? Because sometimes when you see fighters who are like. Oh, they're they're both jujitsu black belts, and they wind up like like I always like to point to yeah or MVP versus um MVP versus Paul Daly. Oh, these two strikers, and it winds up being like one of the worst grappling matches of all time. So like, do you think that the they that they might just not even try to grapple one another because they are hesitant to just because of the other's techniques or well yeah just what do you what do you think about all that? Yeah, I, actually, I didn't really consider that, but that's a that's a good point. If 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 that is the case, I think I would say Inoue has maybe has the advantage there. Yeah. I bet I would think maybe his striking is better. Yeah. Uh, and and he's got more experience up against high level strikers, so yeah. I would think he would he would definitely have the advantage. But um, yeah, I don't know. It could be it should be an interesting fight. I think Watanabe is obviously he's got a lot of experience. Um, he's he's got a nice record. He's he's. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one, uh, but I'm definitely picking anyway. Okay, great, great. Do you think that anyway has a chance to submit him, or do you think it's just going to be, you, th- you think he has a chance to knock him out, or is this going to kind of be like a grapple for three rounds type thing? I, I think you've, you've now, oh gosh, I was, I was, I was like in my head, I was imagining this really great grappling match, but then now you, you, well, you've, <laughs> you've scared me. I normally go after Christian, but I'm, I'm going to say this. Initially, I was going to say this, that if this were like a quintet thing or some sort of like, I don't know, submission on the ground, I would pick Watanabe. But I think that Inoue is the better MMA fighter. And in the, in the Trent Gurdum fight, he actually outstruck Trent Gurdum, who's a, who's a professional bo- kickboxer and boxer. And he looked, his striking looked so good in that. And I thought that it was going to be, 
Trent Gurdum outboxing um, uh, anyway, but that didn't happen. So I think that I, I have no, you know, I do think that anyway is actually the better striker in this case, uh, even yeah, though he has no, no, no knockouts on his record. When I seen Shuto fight, he tends to use the, the strikes to set up a, a submission. So he kind of does like the whole Damian Maya thing where he doesn't really use striking to knock someone out, but to set up something uh, uh, on his opponents. Um, you still think anyway he's going to win? Okay, Christian. What about you? Um, about the uh, all your thoughts and feelings about this fight. Well, my thoughts are when it came down to Ryzen booking this fight. Uh, I guess they probably didn't know that Naoki anyway was gonna go back to Japan prior to the pandemic and stay there for a little while because they obviously thought that he was just fine, you know, living, training, working in the largest metropolitan area in the United States, if not one of the largest in the world. But considering the fact when it came down to Ryzen Brook and Shuto Watanabe, I think they automatically assumed that he would be just like his father, the common shooter's super rider, Yuichi Watanabe, the first Shuto lightweight champion fought for exactly three years and has a 6-3 and three record with five submissions. But still, point of the matter is, when it came down to booking this fight, I think it was probably you know, their wet dreams to have, and I'm sorry for saying it like that, but I think it was probably them having wet dreams about them being about, I mean, about this fight being just a straight-up submission battle, and I think it might be but on the other hand, I do think that when it comes down to experience, and that's something that NUA doesn't have, even though he's fought in the UFC before, he's fought for deep, he's undefeated in that damn promotion, as I mentioned. But still, he's fought pretty much with the eyes of the world on him. Yeah, he still doesn't have the same amount of experience that Watanabe has, and Unfortunately, I think it's not going to be that night for anyway. I think it's going to be the night the lights will go out on Naoki. And I think that Shuto Watanabe is going to shoot himself straight to the top with a submission win. And by the way, before I pass it off to you, Andrew, I would just like to let you know that I think that when it comes to me, yeah. Let me just go ahead and say the Tapology fan base are saying that Inouye is going to win this fight 86% to Watanabe's 14%, and it's going to be a decision. I think they're completely crazy that they think it's going to happen like that, but that's just my opinion on it. Watanabe, what his daddy used to do, submitting people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I hope, I, I agree with Eric, I hope it, it does become a grappling match, but there's always that worry that whenever two pe- two fighters have some sort of, they excel at, at one martial art, or known for one martial art, it tends to negate, uh, they tend to negate, it, it negates both, uh, uh, they, they, don't, they don't fight that way, it's almost like that they kind of expect the opponent to fight that way, so they, then they th- think of like some other game plan that like they never ever fight with. And it sometimes doesn't usually result in an exciting fight. I'm going to say I hope that it does become a grappling fight. 
I hope that it. I hope if it is, it will be really exciting to watch. Um, for for three rounds, and I definitely am looking forward to this fight because it would be great to see you know someone get submitted, but you know they they might be just so good, they might just be trading submissions and 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 getting out of submissions, which I would be totally fine with. I have no problem with that. Um, especially with two high level uh grapplers in this case, but I just do think that in a way has a slight edge. On in the stand up, um, compared to Watanabe, who I don't really think uses a stand up as efficiently as I well, I with and I'm gonna point to the Trent Gurdon fight that Inoue had where he looked absolutely fantastic standing up. Um, but I think this is a fight that uh, that really a lot of fans should look forward to. And uh, yeah, with it, with that being said, Christian, we gotta talk about the first uh, women's fight on the card. Uh, of the show, so uh, I'm going to pass it off to you. Ah, uh, yes. The tri-main event in this case. Where, obviously, the big stars for Ryzen will get their due. At 2017, Ryzen Super Anime Grand Prix winner, Kana Asakura, will take on Deep Jewel star Mizuki Furushite. First of all, the particulars for Kana Asakura, I think you already know them by now. Mm-hmm. He's 16-4 overall, 5 feet 2 inches tall, 107.2 pounds. He's 22 years old, born October 12, 1997, representing Foresta Masudo and fighting out of Kashiwa, Shiba, Japan. She most recently fought on the Bellator Japan post-limbs Submitting Jamie, Adam Bomb, and Shaw via Kimura Lock. Three minutes starting, three seconds, round number three, back on December 28, 2019. And of course, nobody could see those damn post limbs because Bellator are a bunch of cheap bucks, and basically they wanted to show that they wanted to show their own card instead of showcasing the others. But I digress. Anyways, when it comes down to Asakura, of course, you all know her record by now. She is, and I'm sorry for doing this on the fly, y'all. It's kind of what I have to do. <laughs> but she is near undefeated in Rise, and I think her record is. I think. If I'm not six and three in Rising. I know. Uh, yes. Yeah. The only loss is coming to Miyu, Melissa uh, Garcia, and Hamazaki. Actually, eight and three in the Rise and Fighting Federation, mm. and of course she's the 2017 Rise and Super Anime Grand Prix winner and the bane of Reina Kubota fans' existence forever. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously she's lost two of her last three, coming to Ayaka Hamasaki via armbar submission in one. I mean in the women's anime title fight. Women's super anime title fight and losing, obviously via decision to Miyu Yamamoto, who can't finish anybody worth a damn. So, you know, it's gonna be crazy seeing what she does next. But she's on a two fight winning streak. She just defeated one of the top animates in the world in Jamie Henshaw. So it's gonna be incredible to see what she does. Now for her opponent, Mizuki Furuse. Five feet two inches tall, only nineteen years old, born in 
on February the 5th, 2001. So she's one of the youngest women's competitors. She is the youngest women's competitor in the Rise and Fight Federation. She's 5 feet 2 inches tall, 1.5 pounds, with a 63.8 inch reach. Representing the YNK MMA Academy, fighting out of Yokosuka, Kanagawa, Japan. She, most notably, fights for Deep Jewels. She was the Fighting Agent Season 3. She was the Fighting Agent War Season 3 Tournament Finalist, losing to now fights for one FC. And, of course, she's making her Rising Fighting Federation debut, so it's going to be crazy to see you know, the eyes of the fighting world, or at least in Japan, focus on her. Now, as far as the topology fan base is concerned, Oof. they are saying they want to see Asakura <laughs> beat the holy high hell in the daylights out of Mizuki Furuse with 62%. I mean, with a good chunk of them saying they want to see her tap her out. But what are y'all's thoughts about this fight? Do you think that Asakura will be able to make Furuse tap out? Eric? Uh, probably. <laughs> like, um, you know, I've actually, I, I never was a, I never was a big uh, fan of Asakura. I didn't really, I honestly didn't think she was much of a fighter. Um, but, uh, but actually I was at the Bellator Japan show mm-hmm. and she was, she was really good in that fight. Yeah, and like so, I, I saw that fight and she had, against Henshaw, and she she looked really good. I was really impressed with her, um, and I think like I've seen some of the some of the Ryzen YouTube stuff with her, and it seems like she's kind of kind of turned herself around a little bit. She broke up with tension. She's uh, <laughs> she's like dedicating herself to her to her craft, you know. Um, so I really I don't know. I think she's I think she's definitely improved. I think she's getting better. Uh, so yeah, I expect her to to win fairly handily, I would imagine, against uh, Furuse. Now, what's interesting is that Azakura, this is uh, one of the few times she's fought somebody who's younger than her, and this in Ryzen, Furuse being 19, Azakura 22. Now, they, 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 Ryzen is, is promoting Furuse as a prospect. Have you, have you been able to see Furuse uh, fight by any chance, Eric? I have not. I okay. have not seen her fight. The most recent fight that you can find of hers is that she's currently in the, uh, and you know, Christian, you might remember this, when we reviewed Deep Jewels, uh, she okay. she beat, uh, give me, let me get the name up again, uh, uh, Yasuko Tamada in the microwave semifinals. Yeah, basically she beat somebody that was old enough to be her mother, if not her grandson. Yeah, yeah, Tamada is 53 years old, by the way. Oh, Jesus, okay. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at a picture of her. Yeah, yeah, she looks it. <laughs> she looks <laughs> But, yeah, so, to me, this this screams like a squash match. I don't know if you watch pro wrestling at all, um, yeah, yeah. Eric, but, uh, yeah, uh, a squash match. I think that they want Kanazakura to... Uh, this is another thing about the Atomweight division. I think the Atomweight division in Ryzen is so good, but the problem is that there's, like, only three or four... That are like top level, and I would, and Ka- uh, I would put Kana Azakura there, Siohi Ham, obviously because she's a champion, and Ayaka Hamazaki, and maybe you can interchange both Miyu and Reina depending on the day. 
but for the most part, it's really between three people. That's Asakura, Hamazaki, and uh, Ham at this point. So uh, I think I think Hamasaki and and Ham would both kill Asakura. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. <laughs> and we we saw that in the first fight. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget. The, I don't know if you remember the discourse with that fight. Was that Hamazaki was too old, and they thought that Kazakura was gonna age was gonna like be the biggest factor in that match. Yeah, I don't know if you, if you were on social media at all, but that was like the biggest talking point. Was that Hamazaki uh, was way too old to. Uh, to fight against. Uh, Christian, you remember that whole thing? That Hamazaki's age suddenly became a, a talking point for that fight? Well, yeah, kind of, sort of. I mean, they were basically rolling on about how Asakura was going to beat up the old horse in Hamasaki, and that old horse still had some kick in it. Um, but, yeah, listen, you know, um, it's interesting that, that you're not the biggest fan of her. Was there you just not a fight of her fighting style, Eric? Or was there something else that she did? Um, that you're not a fan no, of? No, I'm, I can remember here, like, I'm looking, let me pull up a record, uh, she, she, you know, she, uh, she lost to Miu, right? Yeah. And, and, and Miu just, just basically just laid on her for yeah, the basically. whole time, I think, and yeah. it was, like, not a very interesting fight. Oh, no, it was and not. And then, oh, yeah, and then she was, uh, then she went up against that, like, Zapatella girl, and I, I honestly think she lost that fight, and I think oh. it was pretty pretty clear she lost that fight. Christian! And, but she thought that she lost that fight against Alicia Zapatella. You guys, you guys agree? I was, yeah, I was, oh, that, that was a tough one, because I, on first, well, the first time I watched it, I thought that Zapatella won. But then I rewatched, and I thought, okay, maybe Azakura won because... Uh, a little bit, because there's a little bit more, I guess you could call them significant strikes in that fight. But, listen, if you wanted to pick Zabatello to win that match, I would not be like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I can definitely see that. That's definitely, yeah, you know, if you want to say that she also lost that fight as well, yeah, definitely. And she lost the Alyssa Garcia fight, and then, uh, which was her Ryzen debut. And then there was the uh, Hamazaki fight where she got tapped out. Um, and I, I definitely know. She, I, I definitely, you know, if you do, if you want to say she's not the most exciting fighter, I could definitely see that. She definitely has like this. She has a. I'm gonna grapple you t- to the ground, and if I can't get a submission, well, I'm just gonna lay on top of you, and you are not gonna get up, type thing. Um, but like you said, that the Henshaw fight, I thought she looked really good. Yeah. I thought I thought she really had her had her game together and, and was really good. So I'm 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 looking forward to seeing. Know how, how she does. But what do you think about the book in this fight? She's going up against a fighter who's seven and six. Do you think that this is this is obviously? Do you think that this is a fight that they want Kana to get a win on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think even if she loses, she's gonna win. So. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. So Christian, I'm gonna throw it to you. What do you think about this fight? And who do you think was going to win uh, this 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 match? I think Asakura got it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I really think that she does. And it's not because of the age factor either, because Baruse is 19 and Asakura is barely in her 20s. But still, point of the matter is, when it comes to Asakura, Ryzen is still trying to build her up as a star. Ryzen is still trying to feel sorry for, you know, her not winning the anime title against Hamasaki, who we'll talk about in a little bit. And they still want to give her that opportunity so that when the borders open back up again, when the international flights pop back up again, that they can have Asakura against Yogi Ham and they can possibly see her winning 
I think that'd be a great match if the, if that match winds up happening. I'm that would be as such an intriguing matchup if it does happen. Um, uh, but also maybe this is also an apology fight because of uh, tension, uh, uh, dumping her by uh, cheating on her. No, no, on her. the Eatshaw fight that she won was an apology fight. Oh yes, 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 yes. Um. What do you think about that, uh, Eric? If if Kana Azakura wins this, and then they uh, they they choose to uh, do a a Siohi Ham versus Azakura fight, would that be something you'd be excited for? Uh, I I think she she might get killed possibly. <laughs> like I I don't um I don't know I don't think that would be a competitive fight, but it, it, it's it's possible. I mean it, it depends if she could if she could get it to the ground somehow maybe, but but I just don't actually that's kind of like sort of like the Yachi fight we're going to talk about in a, in a little bit. Yeah. Sort of similar thing, except except uh, Suza, I think, can strike, and, and Kana, I don't think, can strike. So. Oh, no. She's got zero KOs, and she's even said that she, that she is not the strongest striker in the world, and she even went to America yeah. to, I'm trying to remember which camp it was, to, um, I think it was in California. San Diego Team Hurricane Austin. That was it, yes, to, uh, to learn more striking. She said that yeah, she said that like everybody was so much bigger than her that like she wasn't winning any of the uh, sparring matches there. So yeah, she she she'll be the first to tell you. Yeah, I agree with you. My striking doesn't really is really not that good. Um, nonetheless, though, I think this will be a good. I think it will be a good match. Maybe Furuse will put up a fight. I don't think that much. I don't even see this going beyond the first round. I more or less will say it shouldn't go beyond the first round. Easy win for Azakura. And then who knows? Maybe Azakura will, will challenge, uh, possibly the uh, winner of the, of the next match we're going to talk about, like some sort of title eliminator down the road. But uh, yeah, let's actually talk about that next match, Christian. The co-main event of Rising Twenty Two, starting over. Uh, yes, the co-main event is actually not going to be a title eliminator because Rising doesn't have a strawweight division, but it could be a preview for. Yakahamasaki of what she'll probably have to come if, you know, a certain three-letter promotion has the nuts to sign her. But still, <laughs> Yaka Hamasaki, the former Ryzen and Invicta FC Animate Champion, will take on Tomomai Sawa. First of all, the particulars for Miss Mai Sawa. Four feet, 11 inches tall, 107 and a half pounds. She'll have to bulk up a little bit in order to face off in this fight. She is 32 years old, born December the 12th, 1987, originally from Aomori, Japan, fighting out of reversal gym Tachikawa Alpha in Tachikawa, Tokyo, Japan. And as far as career goes, she lost in Ryzen, to C.O.E. Hom. She was actually the job fight for C.O.E. Hom to get to the women's anime title. I mean, the women's super anime title. But she is more known in Dream. No, wrong. What the hell am I thinking? She's the current Deep Jewels anime champion of the world. She most recently retained that title at Deep Jewels 26 back on October 12, 2019, when she defeated Career Journey Woman. Emmy Tomi Masu. <laughs> Via decision, of course. She's also a grappler who's competed on the Quintet Fight Night 3 card in Tokyo. And she's also competed for Road FC 
and Pacific Extreme Combat. And as far as the Princess of Yokohama, well, actually, the Princess of Tokyo, <laughs> Ayaka Hamasaki, she's 19 and 3 overall, 5'1, 107 and, a, 107 and 3 quarter pounds. She's 38 years old on March the 31st of 1982, originally from Sayunoda. From Sayanuda, Yamaguchi, Japan, representing the legendary and famed Abe Ane Combat Club in Ulta City, Tokyo, Japan. She is a judo practitioner who, before her loss to Siyoki Han, had a five-fight winning streak going for her in the Rising Fighting Federation, in addition to fighting for deep and obviously fighting for Invicta, where she was the former anime champion of the world there. And obviously, she is looking to get her belt back after losing, well, actually, after fighting Siofi Han the third time and losing that one time. But still, she hasn't fought since New Year's Eve. She's looking to get back on the road to winning that title back. She probably might fight Kanasakura in her next fight if both of them are successful to if both of them are successful at this particular card. But I just have to ask, do you think that Hamasaki, who the Tapology fan base are putting all their money behind is thinking that Maisawa has no chance in hell? <laughs> do you think that Hamasaki actually has what it takes to get her belt back. So, before I pause that, that that question to you, Eric, I gotta say, did Meisawa, like, like piss on Sakakaki Bara's plants at some point? So, her two fights in Ryzen. First fight is against Siohi Ham, now against Ayaka Hamazaki. Did, is, is it, did she piss off somebody in the Ryzen brass to be to basically be pit up against the two best atom weights in the world right now? Uh, besides that question... Uh, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna pass it off to you, Eric. What do you think about this fight? Two wins and all that good stuff. Uh, the reason why I pulled out a Vince McMahon quote, and the reason why you think that Miss Maisawa pissed off the Rising Brass is because the Tapology fan base did say that they got a 100% chance of a Hamasaki victory with the vast majority of them. 73% saying that they want to see Hamasaki submit this girl. I, I think that that's probably the likely outcome. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, like I, I saw, actually, I've seen I've seen a, a Tomo uh, fight. I, I was at Ryzen 17 last year. And uh, I remember, I just remember, but it was amazing because uh, Hamderlay had her in the, in the corner of the ring and was just killing her with these knees and punches and Herzog runs over and grabs yes. uh, uh and like throws her across the cage and I remember I was like holy shit Herzog just you know went crazy and uh but it was it was fun I mean she just got she just got crushed you know she got crushed by uh by by Hamberlay. um and I think the same thing is probably going to happen yeah uh, I understand but, it wasn't a cage that all 
Uh, and then, and then Herzog right afterwards, he goes over and he apologizes. Oh, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Uh, but it was, it was funny. I remember that. Uh, that, that became a very popular gift of, uh, of like referee interactions with fighters for a while. Just, yeah, just him. Like, and he was like, he like, I don't even think he meant to throw her, but because she weighs so little and he's so big, he just, you know, he's used to probably, you know, like just like pushing big men and they move like maybe like an inch or two. But like yeah. just the force that he that he did it just sent her just flying across halfway to the ring. Like Yeah, it was funny. Well, well I mean Herzog himself don't weigh nothing more but about a buck seventy, so Yeah, Herzog's not a really big guy. Yeah, oh, like, compared to uh guy. compared to to Ham, uh any uh, yeah, I think we're all like even even Christian, you'd be bigger than uh than uh Siohi Ham. Uh you're not the biggest guy uh in the world as well. <laughs> yeah, but, I got I got about more than I got like sixty pounds on her, seventy pounds on so. her. <laughs> yeah, so, but uh, so so basically, I think uh, this is, you're basically saying this is going to be a squash match. It's going to probably not be pretty at all. It's it's not going to be. A, I think this is going to be. It's going to be a brutal. I think it's going to be a brutal beatdown on uh, Mesawa. I really think so. I, I'd say more so than the last fight. I, I expect a more yeah. more dominating victory than the Asakura victory. If you wanna, if you wanna like compare the two, like I, I think you said that maybe Asakura gets it in the first round. I, I don't think so. I, I think she'd be more more likely to get it in the second round or something. But Hamasaki can finish this quickly. Oh, I definitely don't think this will go beyond the first round. I'll be surprised if it goes beyond three minutes even, or even or even two. Uh, these are gonna be five round, uh, five minute fights. If it goes beyond three minutes, I will be like. Surprised that if she even survives, because uh, again, you know, like we said before, there's only like three top atom weights in in Japan right now, uh, and they all fight in Ryzen, and the rest are just floating below, and just like interchangeably. Yeah, like actually, like uh, Jinyu Frey, I thought is a pretty good fighter, and, and and she she didn't look very good. Did you guys watch that recent UFC fight with her? I mean, it was it was okay, yeah. but she was obviously like way too light. Yeah. I Oh yeah, no. And the Maverick pretty much dominated her. Oh yeah, it was it was it was, yeah, the, the Jinyu Frey, you know, uh, did not you know I think she was better off you know being an uh, Invicta champion, but I'm pretty sure the money was better in the UFC. Um, yeah, sure. Christian, you picking Hamasaki? I don't know unless unless you're picking Mesawa, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> MMA matches probably that would be the biggest upset of the night if if 
if uh, Meisawa beat Tamazaki. Um, yeah, the biggest upsets of the 2020s so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so, uh, Eric, I'm going to ask you. So, presumably, Hamazaki wins this, and then Azakura yeah. wins this. Do you think that they might do some sort of title, uh, like number one contenders title eliminator rematch between Azakura and Hamazaki? Presuming they both win these, both win this fight. That's not a bad shout. I, I uh, yeah, they could, but I, I think I think I'd be more inclined just to see Hamasaki get another chance right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll see. Because that was that was a split decision, right? Yeah, that was, that, guess, was uh, that was a very close yeah. fight. It was a very close fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just assumed to see a rematch than than have an eliminator. Mm-hmm. And I agree with the dog uh, that uh, that just barked. I do want to talk about the main event. So we. Uh, we're going to talk about the main event. So, Christian, let's talk about this lightweight main event uh, in Ryzen 22. It's going to be contested at 71 kilograms or 157 pounds. Hitting Roberto Satoshi de Sosa versus Iskayachi. First of all, the particulars for de Sosa, or Roberto Satoshi Sosa, as he's known on the fight poster, and in rice and brass. He's 5 feet 11 inches tall, 156.2 pounds. He's 30 years old, born September the 19th, 1989, representing Bonsai Jiu-Jitsu in Iwata, Japan, by way of Sao Paulo, Brazil. He most recently, the last time you seen him on the Rising Fighting Federation programs, he was submitting an entire team of just everyday people and an MMA legend in a basic squash match, a squash jujitsu fight, so to speak. Other than that, he's 2-1 in the Ryzen Fighting Federation, knocking out Satoshi Toka at Ryzen 15, knocking out Mizuto Hiroka at Ryzen 17 and forcing him to retire, and getting knocked out himself by Johnny Case at Ryzen 19 for the jiu-jitsu demolition of Team Nakai at Ryzen 21. Ah, good times. Not mm. really, but still, good times. Either way... I, I like that. I know you guys didn't like that. I, I enjoyed that, though. <laughs> yeah, understood. But point of the matter is, DeSosa is a former Arzalet fighting lightweight champion of the world. In addition to being a jiu-jitsu ace... But this fight, his opponent, he's going to keep his hands full against DeSosa. Yusuke Yachi, the former Pacific Extreme Combat featherweight champion, 21 wins, 9 losses overall, 5,956.2 pounds, 30 years old, age 30, of course, born May 30th, born May 13th, 1990. Originally from Bunkyo, Tokyo, Japan, he fights out of Team Crazy B, but he was last seen at the Sanford MMA Academy in South Florida, United States, more specifically Fort Lauderdale. But still, he represents Crazy B to the fullest. He was one of the top guys out of Kid Yamamoto's camp, may he rest in peace. And so far, well, yeah, he's a star, obviously. 
He's had knockout. He's had highlight real KOs of Mario Sismundo, Darren Kubchak, and Satoru Kitaoka. He submitted a legend in Takanoi Gungi. He's had a compelling fight against Diego Nunes, then fell into a buzzsaw, losing three straight fights to Luis Killer Gustavo, Johnny Case, and Mikiru Asakura, and then just soccer kicked Hiroto Uesato into oblivion. So yeah, even though his record is now 6-3 and three in Rising Fighting Federation rules, or 5-3 and three in Rising if you want to discount the Bellator fight, this dude is amped up, psyched up, he's ready to go, he wants to go after a title if Rising does have a lightweight title to contend for pretty soon. But do you think that this fight will give him problems between Yachi and Sosa? And before y'all answer that, before y'all answer that, I do have to mention Tapology Faithful and their reaction. They think 76% are saying that the Sosa is going to win this fight. 63, mm. 65% of them actually via submission. So yeah, who do y'all think is going to win this fight? Do you think that Yachi will have problems for, so, for the Sosa? And vice versa. So, Eric, I'll, 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 after you, uh, what do you think about, uh, about this fight? And, uh, Sorry, yeah. did, did you say Tapology has Satoshi as the favorite? Yep. Wow. I'm surprised by that. I am too, um, yeah. No, I'm surprised by that. I actually, I, I've, I thought of a fair amount about this fight, and I, I was, initially, I was just like, oh, yeah, Yachi's going to win. He's going to knock him out pretty, pretty pretty quick I would imagine but then I was thinking I was thinking more about it thinking about Satoshi's fights and it could be it could be uh, could be more difficult than that um, but overall I, I, I pick Yachi I mean I, I think I don't know I like but the thing is it's tough because I actually really like both of these fighters and I like both of these guys too I think they're both you know fun interesting guys so uh, uh, but yeah, overall, I, I think Yachi is, is, is the stronger pick here. Mm. Providing he can keep his hair out of his face. Oh, yeah, I think he learned his lesson the first time. I think he learned <laughs> his lesson the first time. Uh, what's interesting, yeah. though, is that I know you we, we you know the striking aspect will be the most interesting thing because you kind of think that, oh, Souza, uh, Satoshi, he's not he's not this striking guy, but he's he has looked good on the oh, feet. Yeah, he's for, hands. yeah, and he's, you know, the Kitaloka fight, you know, he looked okay, but then the Hirata fight, he looked even better. But the question is, Yachi is, I would probably definitely put as the a better striker. But do you think, what do you think the game plan of Satoshi will be? Do you think he's just going to rely on the jiu-jitsu game? Or do you think he's going to actually try and strike with Yachi? Well, see, here, here's the thing, is I think that, like, uh, I don't know. I think, I think Souza, he, he's, he's the kind of guy, I think, who would like to make the crowd happy. And he's, he's big into, you know, like, I love Ryzen, I want to be a Ryzen guy, and all this stuff. And so I think maybe he's going to want to strike a little bit. Uh, but then, on the other hand, you have Yachi, who does dumb stuff sometimes. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> maybe Yachi's going to be like, oh, I'm going to take him down. So, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't, it's it's really interesting. It's really interesting. I'd be curious to see how it, how it plays out. But, like, I, I really think, like, Souza can hit. You know, and he, he can he can throw a punch, and, and Yachi can get hit. 
just his his defensive skills are not always the best. So it, it could be really interesting. I mean, I think even on the feet, uh, Souza could have a chance here. Now, what about Souza taking a punch? Though we saw the giant case fight, he got he got punched. I think it was in the eye, and I yeah, guess that was a weird eye thing. I think I really do. I think that was like an eye eye problem because it was really weird the way that the way that ended. Yeah, yeah, and then he got the soccer kick to the head, and he was tapping on the ground. And yeah, so I don't know if like if a knuckle went into his like you know like the I don't know a piece of thing went in his eye and like that just like rendered him like unable to like whatever. But so what do you think about taking a punch from Yachi though? Do you think that Souza can maybe even do that? Or uh, it's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, I, I I definitely thought the Johnny Case. I thought it seemed to me that was just like a weird thing. Uh, where he wasn't really prepared for that, but I guess maybe now he'll be better prepared yeah. for that. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, so I'm just also going to read what Yachi and Souza said during the press conference when this fight was announced. Uh, Yachi said, putting on events during such times may have several opinions, but as long as I'm, go- as I'm going to do this, I want to make sure to put on my best performance and deliver hope and inspiration to the Japanese fan. I have been collaborating with several traditional martial artists on my YouTube channel, I've been learning several things. Some may be useful in MMA, and I have been trying to convert them into my fight style. And then Souza says, I will put on a good fight. Please believe in me. My last performance was embarrassing. I couldn't end my career like this, but now I am very motivated. I don't want to quit. I want to keep going until I make it to the top. There was much to learn from that loss. So I don't know if you watch uh, Yachi's uh, YouTube channel. Um... Eric, do you happen to watch his YouTube channel by any chance? I have not. I have not. I just remember when when he and Mikaru were, were fighting about YouTube channel, and Mikaru's got like a gazillion million viewers, and Yachi's got like four. So. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was kind of sad. Yes. So what would you say would be the game plan for... Sorry? What's that? No. <laughs> so what would you say would be the game plan for Yachi to win this fight? Uh... Uh, Eric, what do you what are, are the key, what do you think are the key are like three key things that Yachi could do to guarantee him a victory? Not to get taken down. Oh yes. <laughs> well, we, we've seen it. We've not seen get down. Not get taken down. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think. Go ahead. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say, no, no, no. I was gonna say. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. No, I, I mean, I think that basically he just he wants to have a boxing match, and he if he's boxing, kickboxing. Uh, with Souza, I think you you have to favor him to win the fight. You know, um, uh, the question is going to be can can Souza? I think the question is more can Souza do what he wants to do than can Yachi do what he wants to do. Yeah. Uh, here's another point as well. No elbows are allowed in this match. Oh, bizarre. Because they have to, both fighters have to agree to elbows, and all the other fights besides the kickboxing, the one the Ibada. Uh, Yuayama kickbox match, all the other MMA matches have elbows allowed, so that means that both fighters agree to it. But in this case, and I think, I'm trying to remember, uh, I think uh, for uh, Souza's matches, elbows have not been allowed in his matches, because I think he does not like elbows, because if he tries to go for a takedown, you know, you just do a little yeah. elbow to the side of the head, you know, kind of a, uh, what is it, I'm trying to remember who, who got knocked out that way, was it, um, uh, uh, trying to remember who recently in UFC, I think. Yeah, Josh Barnett. Then Josh Barnett got not, get knocked out that way or something. He tried to take down somebody and got elbowed to death or something. I think was it um, 
Christian, do you happen to remember? Was that or do you happen to remember that? But that by any chance? Christian? Maybe he's frozen. Uh, okay. But uh yeah, so so obviously that's gonna be another factor as well. If there's no elbows, that takes a, a, a real offensive ability out of the loop to uh, on I guess in, in Yachi's case, because you know, being the more well rounded guys can yo I mean yeah, we can hear you. I'll just ask you, do you remember the fight that Josh Barnett was in where he tried to go for a takedown and got hellbowed to death? Um, oh, we may have lost him again. But um, So yeah, I'm going to just ask you, Eric, what do you think about the lack of elbows in this match? And like, what do you think about that whole dynamic? It's interesting. I, I've never considered, yeah, I guess that maybe maybe Sosa doesn't like getting hit, I guess, and so which which I hadn't really thought about. And but if he's if he's saying no elbows, that's another another indication that that's that that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it matters. I think Yachi can can still strike, but still is going to be the superior striker. Um, also, he shows, you know, you still got knees on the ground. You still got, you still got soccer kicks. You got all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. he's still got the tools. To, the other thing, to... the other thing as well is that uh, now you you were there for the bell for that uh, Yui Sako fight, right? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Now, I saw that fight. I managed to see I that. Also saw, I also saw the Mikuru fight too. I was at the Ryzen Seventeen as well. Oh, okay. So, but what the Yui Sako fight? So Yachi was losing at first, if I remember correctly. Definitely. But then yeah, he definitely. managed to make a comeback. Now, here's the thing with Yachi. He has not really looked good in a lot of his recent fights. I I'll, 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 I won't even put the Yui Sako fight on, up there, but the Mikuru fight, he got absolutely manhandled. And the Johnny Case match, his eye got all... You remember that, right? His eye got all yeah. fucked up. And um, yeah. and then um, the Nunez fight, if you want to make an argument, it says it was a split decision. I thought that Nunez won that fight. But that was from way back when. I don't know if you've seen that fight or even remember it. Yeah, I don't remember that fight. And then there was the Gustavo match, the one that when yeah. they brought in Gustavo as a late replacement, and then Gustavo just his hair. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the question is though, like, do you do you? I know you said that if he doesn't, Yachi doesn't do anything stupid, but I don't know. Is that kind of just something that he just? I don't know. It's almost like. It's so. It's almost like I don't know. Like, it's something that he just can't help. Like, it's almost like unconsciously that like he doesn't realize he does these things that. Put him at a disadvantage. Uh, yeah, I actually, I actually think I think that's one of the reasons I like him <laughs> is because he's like he's like very human, you know, and he, he he's often kind of like the underdog, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 especially when he his whole thing with Mikaru too is he's like talking shit with Mikaru all the time, and and uh, and you know, and he's not gonna win, you know, he's not gonna win the fight, he's not gonna win the win the argument, but uh, but actually, I remember. That fight with the Asakura fight, I remember that was closer than you're saying. I don't know, maybe, maybe I, maybe I'm misremembering. But, mm. that I thought, I thought he did better than, than that. Like mm. especially because at the end they were just they were just like fuck it, let's just throw. Yeah. And uh, and he got caught a little bit right at the very end. Yes. But but, uh, but that, yeah, that was, was a big fight. Yeah, he he knocked him down with a jab, I think Mikuru, and Mikuru kind of just walked away with his hand up in the air, kind of just you know. Kind of doing like a mock walk walk uh walk away knockout type yeah. thing. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was a good fight. I, I I mean I remember that being a good fight, but I haven't watched it in a while. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, but yeah, I, I I think like I like like you're saying now. I think Yachi could could Yachi fuck this up? Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely he could. 
Now, what a, now in the case of Souza, wh- uh, what do you think? Are you think his, obviously his biggest advantages will be jujitsu? You know, make it a jujitsu fight, get him down to the ground, submit him as quickly as possible. But the question is, we, you know, it seemed like in his previous fights he was kind of doing like, and you watch one, uh, the Gary Tonin thing, where Gary Tonin was kind of when he when he first when, when he first started he was doing the heel hooks and all that. But then I remember yeah. in his second or third fight. He was almost like deliberately trying to not submit his opponent, like trying to show, look at me, I can do MMA. Do you think that that Souza is gonna maybe just maybe? I know you said he wants to, to put on a good thing for the crowd, but he also he might you also want to show, look at me, I'm a full fledged MMA fighter, just not a jiu-jitsu guy. Let me try to to stand and bang with this guy. I, I think that's I think that's definitely been the case in his recent fights. I think that is that's pretty much what happened. So yeah, I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. But the one thing is that like the quote you read that I hadn't heard about him like I don't want to go out like that or I don't want that to be my last fight or something. Um, that sort of surprised me because I know his brother decided to retire, yes. right? So maybe I don't know. Maybe he's thinking about retiring too. And if that's the case, I wouldn't have a lot of confidence. Well, he also got his jujitsu school, and yeah. and um, I forgot where it is. It's in that uh, Hamatsu, I think. Is it Hamatsu? Yeah. yeah so yeah, wherever all the all the Brazilian people yeah. live. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So you know, if he if he quits, he still got that. He still got people who train there and who fight, and he can still train. So this MMA thing, you know, is not is not the be all end all. Um, sure. Um. Now the question is though, whoever wins this fight, so Yachi wins or Sozo wins. Um, are you picking? You're picking Yachi to win, right? Yeah, picking Yachi. So let's say Yachi wins. What what would be what would you say would be next for him? Um, the, the, the lightweight division is so, it's like a pre-pandemic is so good in Ryzen. Like, uh, but given what it is now, what would be next for him if he wins? By uh, what would you say? Huh, I don't know. Uh, throw some names out to me. I'm, I'm trying to think of who, who might Well, um, I don't know if Kawajiri's still Good. fighting. Uh, let's see. We got uh, Kawajiri, I don't know if he's still fighting. And I don't, I don't even know if he's still fighting at uh, lightweights. Because uh, I think his, I think, was his last fight at featherweight? No, wait, no, no. Hey, sorry, guy. You couldn't hear me. I was in the middle of actually... Oh, ah, shit. Oh no problem, no problem, Christian. I was just asking uh, um, Eric, uh, who if Yachi wins, who he's picking to win, who might be, uh, what would you do next for Yachi? You know, any uh, potential opponents? And um, I, unfortunately, you know, now the, the lightweight division is not as heavy as it was pre-pandemic. But uh, you know, you got you got Kawajiri. Um, trying to think of uh, get his ass kicked by Tofik, I guess. Um, he could. Well, Tofik said he would be back in October. He did say that. So um, that could be. I mean, that would be. A, I could see that fight. I could see that fight. Just get him. He'll get handled, but but uh, but it would be might be something they would do. I mean, here's the other question I'm going to ask you as well: Is if Yachi wins, this would be his fourth, I think, loss in Ryzen. Do you think Do you think Ryzen will will cut their losses eventually at some point if he just keeps on fucking up the big time? I guess you could say. <laughs> I think that was the uh, that was the fight, the Hiroto fight, right? That was the the loser has to quit kind of fight. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, 
he's he's a crazy B guy though. They they don't they're not you know like Ursin Yamamoto is fighting on this card, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think they can keep Yusuke Yachi as well. Yeah. So yeah, if he does lose this fight, this will be his fourth loss yeah. in Rising. Yeah. yeah I, I just think I think the crazy B connection saves him. Gotcha. Gotcha. Christian, so what what are your thoughts about this fight? Who do you think goes out in the main event as the winner? Oh, can we read to you again? Christian? Okay. Well, in the meantime, I'm going to give my thoughts. You know, I think, you know, I do think Yachi will win this. I mean, I don't know how long. I'm just trying to think of, of how. I could see this kind of going all three rounds, though. Um, and I feel like this, I don't know if Souza is going to even try to even, if, if, if Yachi is smart, he, he basically just has to, tr uh, practice defensive grappling at most and the rest, hopefully he don't fuck up like he usually does. Um, but for the, what I'm hoping, yeah, if, if Yachi wins this though, you know, that'd be a great arc, you know, imagine that redemption arc, you lose your th three fights in a row in Ryzen, and then now you're just you're suddenly making the comeback up the lightweight division, and then who knows? Maybe you'll earn that that fight against Tofik at some point, um, or get a rematch against somebody who he's lost to. Um, I do think that yeah, I do think that the edge in this is Yachi. I'm actually really surprised Tapology is is yeah, weighing heavily on Souza. Um, I definitely, it, 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 it's definitely an intriguing fight stylistically. It's stylistically, I think, is probably the, the fight I'm most intrigued about just because I have no idea how this fight can go. It's, it's, it's almost like evenly split how this can go. Um, I hope it's an exciting fight. There has really never been a bad Yachi fight, never been a bad Sosa fight. All these fights have been finishes. So, you know, I hope that trend continues with Sosa. Um, yeah, I actually, I really like this. I know you guys were saying that you don't really like this 22 card as much, but I think these top three fights are, are, are quality. I think they're, they're all interesting fights, or like top four, really. Like, yeah, I guess, I guess you were, I'm going to rephrase that. Comparatively to the 23 card, I think it's a much weaker card. If they didn't stack these, if this was like the August card, and then the 23 yeah. card was September card, I think I'll be like, yeah, it's a good, a good card. Oh, uh, Christian, Christian. Sorry, yeah. glad you're back. What do you think about Yachi uh, Souza? Who do you pick to win this uh, lightweight match? You picking Yachi? Yeah, if the Sosa ain't careful with how he decides to take this fight, because of course he's not known for grappling in his fights. He's a knockout artist for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. That the Sosa is gonna have a tough time trying to put Yachi away. Therefore, I think that Yachi's gonna probably win this one via a knockout. I don't see why not. Great, great. He's pretty much fighting for his damn job. Yeah, basically at this point it feels like, uh, yeah. So we're all in agreement about Yachi, um, uh, and now and just and w watch uh, Souza knock him out in the first round in uh, one yeah, minute. Talking about, you know, if 
Tawfiq Musayel comes back, if he legitimately comes back, he's going to want to face off against somebody. But I have a feeling that if Musayel doesn't come back, I mean, wouldn't it be fun to see? Wouldn't it really be fun to see Gachi versus Chandler for the lightweight belt? What do you think about that, Eric? Michael Chandler versus Yachty. Oh, oh my God! I think Chandler would chew him up. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't think I want to see that. Um, oh man! Yeah, I think. I think that could be bad. Honestly, I think the better fight for Tofik would be to put a uh, little pitbull uh, up against him, and then little pitbull could potentially become a a, a three belt champion. Uh, in two, uh, he'll be have the the Bellator lightweight featherweight and. Yeah. Patricio Pitbull Fury, right? Yes, not yeah. Patrici? Not Patricio, not Patricio. I'm, I'm, I'm st- slowly starting to memorize wh- which is which. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or you know what? You know, depending on what this Bellator card, this 243 card this week, which has Chandler versus uh, Henderson too. You know what? Ch- Chandler versus Tofik. I think, I think anybody versus Tofik is an intriguing matchup because I just want to see more of Tofik in a rise. That, that's it. a much, that's a much better fight, I think. Chandler Tofik. Definitely. I'd actually I'd like to see Yachi Henderson. That would be kind of interesting. It'll be a split decision. It'll be a split decision win in the end for Henderson. But do you think that a Henderson versus Tofi fight would even be worth watching? That would be interesting. That I think that's in- Eric, go ahead. Sorry, what you were going to say? No, no. I, I, I'd prefer the Tofi uh, Chandler. Okay, I got you. Tofi Chandler, Yachi Henderson. So, uh, Eric, I got three questions for you. What are the three yeah. fights on this card that you're looking forward to the most? All right, I'll go with the go with the main event. Um, uh, I will go with the um, Watanabe Inoue, and I will go with the kickboxing Ibata. Great, great, Christian. How about you? Three fights you're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to are Kana Asuka versus Mizuki Furusei, mm-hmm. the Rui Ibata belt, and Naoki Inoue versus Shuto Watanabe. Gotcha. So for me, main event, um, second is the Rikuto Shirakawa versus Hagiwara matchup. Seven and seven versus Owen two. Listen, nice. that fight is either going to be a terrible fight of two two men fighting in a phone booth type thing. I, I I'm not, I'm just expect I'm expecting so much for that fight and so little at the same time. And then the third fight, uh, the kickboxing match between Nadak, uh, Nadaka and uh, Yushid, just because the J Kick fans have gotten me into a frenzy about why this match is like really exciting. I should have, like pay attention to it because of uh, Yoshinori Nadaka. Um, yeah, that could be really cool. Could oh, be yeah. Um, anything else uh, before we go, uh, Eric? I want to just give you an opportunity. Is there anything else you want to say about this card, any of the fighters, or anything else that you, I don't know, anything else, or as well, any fights that you're looking forward to for Ryzen 23? I know you won't be able to discuss, uh, but, uh, yeah, feel free to talk about Ryzen 23 briefly if you'd like to. Uh, 23? I don't know. Let me, I haven't actually looked at that all that closely. Uh, of course, the, the main event there, of course. Um... 
I don't know. I know you guys talked to Full Swing. How how is how is he? Was he confident about his matchup? Because I don't think that's going to go well for him. Oh yeah, he he was very <laughs> confident. He's he's pretty sure he's going to behead uh, uh Matoya. Okay, okay. I'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I know it should be it should be interesting. I just hope uh, I hope you guys find a way to watch it. Um, <laughs> I hope that uh, the TV thing works out. Uh, yeah, because that would really suck, and I and I actually hope so too, because I, I prefer to watch with the English commentary. So, mm. are they doing the I'm thing? Smash strike. Hoping they can get commentary. Smash mm. strike. You're sitting in a damn bathtub. <laughs> so, actually, question. Oh yeah, the the the. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say. Uh, so, uh, do you have any plans to go to either show, or you just or not even a thought, just because of what's going well, on? I because I, I checked, like I said, I checked the other day for the 22 tickets, and there are still tickets, but it's, like I said, it's really expensive, and uh, it, it'd be like, I think the only tickets left are like 200, 300 bucks, and, uh, and yeah, it's like, I, I don't, I'm not going to pay that much money, and, and still a little worried about the corona stuff, and, mm. and there's, we've had a lot of, uh, a lot more cases in Tokyo lately. Mm. And so, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather just watch it on TV. When I went to the Ryzen uh, op- uh, heavyweight uh, tournament, oh, no, sorry, openweight tournament uh, finals, uh, that was uh, Crow Cop versus uh, Amir Ayakabari in the main event. That was also the one with Gabby Garcia versus Yumiko Hota, when Hota bounced off mm. the ring ropes. Um, the tickets... My t- yeah, for, that was Saitama Super Arena, and I got my tickets cost one hundred eighty dollars, so that's relatively cheap. That was relatively cheap, uh, I think. To hear that they that they're up that much, that sounds. Well, I'll tell you, my uh, so I went to like I said, I went to seventeen, and I went to Bellator Japan last year. Mm. I paid sixty bucks for each of those tickets. Oh my god! So like yeah, so I mean I I I'm. I like pay. I'd like to pay under a hundred, yeah. you know, and uh, and and so these are these are definitely more than a hundred. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, with that being said, uh, Eric, uh, I just want to give you the opportunity once again plug everything and everything that you're doing for MMA, social media. Go ahead, plug all that away. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, if you guys, uh, just pretty much, you can follow me on Twitter at Fight Pros, F I G H T P R O S E. Um, and you can find links there to my, my Substack and articles and stuff. Like I, I write about, um, uh, JMMA, I write about sumo, I write about one championship. I've started writing about like shitty movies, kind of f- having fun doing that. So, uh, yeah, it's just like a fun blog. So come check it out. Just briefly, what did you think of the Rod, uh, the Rod Tang and Stan Fairtex matches that just happened this past weekend for one? Oh, uh, well, the Stan Fairtex was just garbage. I mean, it's like, that's actually probably kind of similar to the Kana Asakura fight. What was the record that her opponent had? Her opponent was like, what was that a record? It was like, it was like, like, I I don't think it was that bad. I think it was like 5-0 or something or or 6-0 or something, but she she was a really young girl and, uh, yeah, it was like, you know, just they just want to build up stamp. Um, The Rat Tank fight was good. It was a good fight. Mm -hmm. Rat Tank, Rat Tank's a killer, man. Do you think we'll ever get to see that tension rematch that so many people want to see, or you think that's gonna be, or you think that's just because he's in one? That's just like, it's it's now it's now a dream. 
Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, like with the with Ryzen's finances and one's crazy finances, you know, you never know. But uh, but probably probably not, I would say. But yeah, Rod Tang is Rod Tang is really fun to watch. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. definitely cool. Great, great. And uh, Christian, I'm gonna throw off uh, the uh, sign off to you. Okay. Now, when it comes down to the plugs, you already said them, Andrew, but I'm gonna repeat them in case the people didn't know. You can follow us on Twitter. The general tag is at We Are Rising Pod. W E A R E R I Z I N P L G, all in one word. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisGary92. I check out a lot of crazy stuff, most notably related to stuff about my regional area, Houston, Texas, as well as anime combat sports, pro wrestling, and a bunch of other weird shit that's basically not suitable for work or other things. Andrew is on Twitter at abenja1, A-B-E-N-J-A-1. He talks a lot about pro wrestling and obviously JMMA, corny movies, stuff that he's involved in because he is a SAG after actor. <laughs> and other stuff. You, if you follow us, we'll follow you back. But if you don't want to hear about us and what we follow, you can just freeze. <laughs> as far as the show goes, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, and I think other providers as well. Yeah, Podbean as well. And we're hopefully soon going to be streaming on a whole other podcast providers such as Himalaya, Google Podcasts. We have to eventually go to Twitch someday. We'll have to do a Twitch thing. You know, like a live thing one day. Who knows? Yeah, I should do, do a commentary on the, on the rise. You know, have English commentary. we were thinking, like, if they're not going to do English commentary, Christian not, suggested, you know what? Just do something where we just find the show and we just, you know, we just commentate, like, on Twitch. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. I think it'd be good to do. I'd have to sure. get drunk, though. I'd have to get drunk, though, because... I would be upset if I mispronounce a name or a move, and if I'm drunk, I won't remember it. Yeah, and I would have to endure trying to sit up for six straight hours or less. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, Jesus, it'd be the middle of the night for you guys, too. (laughs) Don't get us started on the rise of intermissions. We'll be here forever. But, like I said, when it came down to the dual interview that the cop, I mean, that we, Andrew and I, did with Nakata and Mamolo Boy Full Swing. Rise in 22, Rise in 23, taking place next weekend, August the 9th and August the 10th as of this record. Please, please, if you're a fan of the Rise and Fighting Federation, if you're a fan of Japanese combat sports, please tell the Rise and Fighting Federation and Fight TV to kiss and make up already because we want to see these fights we want to see some more Japanese combat sports action for our eyeballs internationally to endure we want Fight TV and Ryzen to have a long fruitful relationship but if that hashtag fight like you mean it basically means hey we're just going to show Ryzen for a little bit and then tell them to screw themselves what's the point of them even airing the show at all what's the Watching here in the States. That's why I say, Pastor 
time and tell them, y'all want to see Rising 22 and Rising 23 if we're not going to stop until we get future Rising events on Fight TV. Because if they don't show those events, what's the point of us doing this podcast? Exactly. Most of all, don't be dicks. Be nice. Don't curse at them. Don't say anything. Don't say anything racially stupid and sensitive. Just be nice. Be 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 constructive and just let them know you really want to see the show and you will pay for it legally. Okay. Most of all, be nice. People will listen to you more if you're not a dick. Good advice. Always good advice. And well, with that being said, Eric Fightwalsy, we thank you for joining us. Thank you all for listening. And as the great Lenny Hart always likes to say, and just like that, we out this mug. Talk to y'all later.